Welcome to the Texas Law Dog Podcast, where we will get you off, literally and legally. Your weekly true crime podcast from the criminal defense lawyer's perspective. Join the Texas Law Dog and co-host Akash as they venture into the nitty-gritty of the criminal justice system and explore how there may be practicable solutions to cleaning it up. Any and all content produced should not be construed as formal legal advice, used for educational, marketing, and solicitation purposes only. Some information may be factual. All guests have agreed to use their real names and likenesses. All views and opinions expressed by the Texas Law Dog reflect the opinions of Texas Law Dog LLC only and should not be construed as formal or informal legal advice by a practicing attorney. The Texas Law Dog will not get you off, literally or legally, despite what he may claim. Episode 11, welcome back, ladies, gentlemen, and others. Uh, I am joined by Azim. He is my trusty sidekick. What's going on, my friend? Hey, what's up? How have you been? Did you survive the snowpocalypse a couple of weeks ago? Oh, yeah, I did. Um, a lot of my neighbor's pipes broke. My pipe broke, too. Garage ceiling fell down. Dude, um, you were telling me you got that the ceiling fell down onto your whips, man. Yeah, they fell on my whips. They um, got soaked up and they just fell. Tell um, tell the older folks what whips are. Oh, whips are like cars, like SUVs, and that's like our new <laughs> People got to realize Azim's a Azim's a rapper by night. So uh, this kid, dude, he's hood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I make music. That's one of my um, hobbies, I guess. Oh, dude. Well, one of these days we're going to have you. Also recording podcasts and my... Um, Can you write a couple hooks uh, for the Law Dog? Yeah, for sure. I'll make like a Texas Law Dog song. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> oh, oh, just got a bark in it. Be, be the, yeah, I have, I have Jason as a tag. Can we throw... Like, I wonder how much Baja Man would cost just for like a five-second snippet um, so we can use the barking portion of there. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> <laughs> i'll make sure to get an email out to their reps <laughs> um anyway man well i just the, today's show is going to be good uh we're joined by akash again uh he stops in and says hello he's alive he's survived covid um, it's it was good to catch up with him uh we're also joined by a, a buddy of mine named matt weidman he is an attorney out of st louis Missouri, and uh, he will be joining us to discuss landlord tenant law and specifically in regards to uh, the COVID uh, evictions. There's a lot of different people that are facing uh, financial struggles and, um, mm -hmm. you know, rent related stuff. And so Matt's yeah. going to come in and give us a lot of good information on the uh, landlord side and the tenant side. So we can kind of, we're going to hash out kind of what's going on and uh it is kind of a huge issue nationally so um we're also going to discuss uh some cool differences between missouri and texas law some of the cases he's seen and that we're going to be uh discussing briefly the texas weather fiasco with akash uh including ted cruz's uh flight risk <laughs> <laughs> his little cancun trip Cancun spring break forever. Uh, we're going to talk in Joe Biden, Republican leadership in Texas and why we need to just stop voting Democrat or Republican. 
Um, we're going to be talking Abbott's dropping the mask mandate and kind of what that means for businesses, as well as the um, political repercussions that may come uh, from that, um, mm -hmm. as well as Mr. Potato Head is now gender neutral. So the Biden administration finally making good on one of their promises, and we will go into what all we've seen in his uh First six weeks of first six weeks of office, everything but him, it appears. So uh, <laughs> we'll be touching on that. It's going to be a good episode, guys. Enjoy it. Texas Law Dog is back, and uh, I am joined with my full team. Finally, again, uh, Kosh Azim, say hello. Hello, hello, hello. It is great oh to hear. Oh my gosh, it's been a minute since we had a gosh, so. Yeah, I've been. It has been. Idea. Dude, uh, you had Rona, I heard. Yeah, I did, bro. It was, uh, I don't know if my taste is fully, I don't even know what, if it fully ever recovered, bro. But uh, yeah, it's, it was, uh, it, other than that, mine was pretty, it was, it, it could have been a lot worse. So I feel like other people had it a lot worse. I was still in. I just use I, it as an excuse. I can to attest <laughs> to that. We went to lunch. Uh, my team brought me to lunch very graciously a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was actually on Akash's birthday. And I, <laughs> <laughs> your nickname should be like the human garbage disposal. We went to this place that was like one of those places where you have the cards where it's green or red and they just keep bringing you meat. Uh, and Akash just never turned his card to red. <laughs> I've never seen someone eat so much food in one sitting. And you got your money's worth, bro, for all yeah, of us. Yeah, there's no way I'm going to pay $50 for a meal and not eat, like, <laughs> truly. You went to town and, like, fuck that salad bar, too. Like, it was like, um, tell them about the salad bar. Like, I had never scam, seen it. bro. It's a scam. Why would you, why would you get salad when you just paid $50 and it's like it wasn't even it. salad though it was like they they had to because of the there coronavirus was no there was no like regular <laughs> yeah i always thought was i was like, going to like an actual like salada like salad bar no this was like they had like just like it, weird ass vegetables and fruits bro like just <laughs> i don't even i didn't recognize anything like i was like all right bro just bring me meat and like, you had to have a chaperone and they just went from station to station and with like individual tongs because you weren't allowed to touch the tongs so they had oh, to yeah, serve you yeah uh yeah but anyway that yeah, was yeah, a great yeah there's a line at the salad bar because they can only go one person at a time so and then the yeah, line just that. caters along the wall six because you had to stand obviously six feet apart from yeah. everyone waiting for more so i think we got in line and we were like fuck this let's go back to the table and just eat meat all right man well i'm glad you're back dude i'm glad you survived coronavirus um i'm, I'm glad too bro i'm gonna tell i heard you called it fake yeah, it was a. Uh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I was to call it like in like real life, or like in past episodes. Oh, I, I mean, love that. Yeah, it, it, I was uh my all my, yeah, bro. I mean, I, I literally until the week before I was like, uh, I was saying, yo, I, I mean, I was kidding, but I was like, dude, coronavirus is a whole gross. You weren't yeah. kidding. Really, yeah, I was like. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, for sure, dude. Like my parents, uh, they just got wrecked by it. And I mean, until, until it comes to your front door, I mean, if you would otherwise were inclined to think it was just one massive conspiracy theory, it is not, it is something is going on out there. Uh, people are getting very sick. And, um, if you haven't 
if you've been fortunate enough not to be, you know, touched by it yet, um, your time is coming. <laughs> <laughs> we got about 37 variants to uh, worry about. So um, if, if the original strain didn't get you, they're going to like, they'll get you somehow. <laughs> hey, do, do we know if the vaccine, what they, have they said anything about if the vaccine covers all the variants or? <laughs> I don't even want to talk about the vaccine. I think that uh, people are so on edge about whether people are going to get it or not, that it's like, no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to be like, or if, if you are, it's like very hushed in your family. Like, oh, are you getting the vaccine? And you're like, what? What what uh what kind you getting? You know, I heard I heard uh Moderna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you start making oh. wagers on whether you're gonna go Pfizer or Moderna, Johnson and Johnson. I've had family members, so I know about I know like a dozen people personally that have gotten it, and um, so far no like third arms have been grown. Um, they're all still pretty much normal people. Um, they did say a couple friends had like uh, some bad nights after the second dose um but for the most part like my grandmother uh she got it and she's fine she's 84 so um i think that you know the conspiracies about wanting to kill everyone with it was uh it was a good like initial sort of uh <laughs> it's funny in the beginning but it's not funny right anymore. right no but like <laughs> Here's the problem, though, is what my personal problem, my only issue with the vaccine personally is as an attorney, and this is just Mr. Litigious here, is that I don't have anyone to sue if it fucks me up. And I don't like the idea of that. Um, basically, just being like, because these uh, pharmaceutical companies have complete immunity to any sort of litigation uh, resulting from adverse effects. So if you get screwed up by this, if you're the one of the 0 0.0 whatever percent that actually has an adverse reaction or goes into anaphylactic shock um, or develops, you know, Bell's palsy disease, a couple of the things that we've already seen, then you're going to be completely out of luck. And like for someone like me, I don't even have health insurance. So it's like, why, <laughs> why would I sign up for a potential thing that might fuck me up when I can just kind of take my chances? I'm a healthy otherwise sproutly adult and you know if 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 it's like take the sh take the chance on getting something that's the merriam-webster changed the definition of which is vaccine uh to include the mrna stuff uh, uh the, they just did that by the way in january merriam-webster changed the definition of vaccine uh you can go on there now you can see what it was in January and then in Feb. Well, you can't see what it was in January. I saw what it was in January and then you can see what it is now. And they actually added like a separate section for the new experimental stuff that's in all of these vaccines, um, excluding, I think the Johnson and Johnson one that just got approved. That's an actual dead virus vaccine, which is when you saw the Pope come out and be like, no Catholics better get this one. This was made with aborted fetuses and stuff. So um, all the Catholics out there, you better not get the Johnson Johnson one or you may not go to heaven. They, wait, how did they make it with aborted fetuses? I don't know, dude. This is what I read in the paper this morning is that like, I just read the Pope. Uh, Azim, will you, will you, Zoom, will you uh, Google, Google that? Pope, <laughs> Pope opposes um, Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Yeah, I mean, like, it's crazy because I think that as not the HIPAA issue, the HIPAA issues notwithstanding, um, your medical autonomy is completely private in America. So, like you, you see countries like Israel and Spain uh, making lists of people and like 
there's this green passport vaccine passport in Israel where you can't go to the gyms or the bars or the restaurants unless you have it on your phone, um, like a blockchain digitized certificate that you got the vaccine. Uh, I don't see that working very well in America just because of how much pushback there would be uh, on businesses here um, because there isn't as much control, obviously, as like in a country where, there, where it's Israel, where it's a lot smaller population, uh, a lot smaller geographical density you know it's just it is a lot less people to deal with whereas we have a sprawling country with 50 different people doing 50 different things in 50 different places it's kind of like there's no good answer i think if people want to get the vaccine they should um if they want to sign up to be part of the human experiment that is this rna stuff then you should i think that um if you trust you know the big pharmaceutical companies and you trust the politicians you should totally get it. And I think that, you know, buy into the media, uh, selling it as like the miracle cure and the only way we're going to get back, then definitely get it. But if you have concerns, you shouldn't be chastised or, uh, you know, and it shouldn't make you an anti-vaxxer either. Like you should be able to say, well, I just don't, I don't. Even though it's the first RNA vaccine released into the world, it's the quickest vaccine ever released into the world. Um, all animal trials were skipped. There's no long-term studies complete until 2023. Uh, you can still get sick even if you get it, and you can still give the virus to others, which is why you still have to social distance and mask. The fact that they can't advertise it on any sort of television commercials because they'd have to mention the adverse side effects. And of course, you're not allowed to sue anybody if it screws you up. Question, so what do you, how do you feel about the uh, governor ending the, the, the mask mandate? Oh, we, I'm glad you we, asked. Yeah, that, so how, what, is your, what is your opinion on that? So Abbott, yeah, well, Zim and I were going to get into this uh, we're going to get into the weather. Um, it's been a while, guys. Like, I I, I got a haircut. <laughs> I look like a fucking lawyer again. Um, it was time. I'm a little less California, a little more Texas now. And uh, thank you. Um, it feels good to get it off my neck. I mean, I had a full-blown, you know, party in the back there. It was, like, pretty wild. I'd never had my hair that long in my life. It was, like, a full year. And uh, it just felt like <laughs> it coincided. I didn't know that Abbott was going to lift the restriction yesterday, but I went and got my haircut. And then he's like, we're opening back up. I was like, perfect timing. <laughs> I look like a lawyer again. Let's go. You know, like I, we need to. And here's the problem is it's a massive catch 22 because the, the mouth breathers on both sides are going to be like, you know, and it's going to be just... We, the businesses need money, but there's people getting sick. And so we have to live in those realities um, and that we, there, there is no really happy medium. And now it's going to, you know, all these people are pissed off because businesses are going to face this choice of to whether or not they, they put up the sign, like no mask, no service. And they're taking a calculated risk if they do that by alienating, you know, I don't know if it falls on political lines, but from what I've seen, it kind of does as far as masks. Uh, I haven't had any particular problem like wearing one in stores. It's not, you know, if I was a gas station attendant working a 12 hour shift, I would not enjoy wearing one all day. Um, that would suck, you know, but 
it's going to be, I guess, just if what, what Abbott did is he absolutely took the, the freaking attention off of the weather shit. Uh, that's for sure. Cause he's trying to score political points with his conservative base in the rural counties by doing this. So what he's, he's done is he's making the businesses shoulder the blame by with, without uh, an enforcement mechanism on a mask mandate, you know, no businesses are going to be able to call the police and be like, this guy isn't wearing a mask. Come get him for a trespass warning. Now cops aren't going to go to those because they have no legal incentive to do so. So how businesses handle this, uh, restaurants, you know, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, and I think that most people, it should be your choice. If you feel comfortable enough to go out to the bars and you know, whatever, like you should be able to, at this point, like the, the businesses have to open in order to survive. And if you don't then stay home and don't go out, you know, like, and, and, but the problem is, is that people feel like they've done their home, like they've done their due diligence being safe for over a year, uh, staying home. And now they're like, well, fuck, we were just almost out of the woods and now all these people are going to be breathing all over my cereal in the cereal aisle. Like, how the fuck am I going to live, you know? And so I think that we just have to <laughs> realize that there is no happy medium in a pandemic. And the way that our economy works is that it, it sucks unless things are good for everyone. Uh, because as you can see, it's a cascading effect on, on all of the people, except the very wealthy, uh, obviously who have fared better than everyone during all of this. Um, but I, it's crazy because, you know, he's doing this politically. It's smart. Uh, he's got an election coming up in 2022 and no one's going to be talking about anything else, but the weather stuff. And um, he wants to be more like DeSantis because I think he's got presidential aspirations. He's got no shot, but he's got presidential aspirations and some idiots telling him that he actually does have a shot. And I don't know until they get rid of this on guard, like old style Republican leadership at the top, Dan Patrick, he came out and was like, the most important things Texas need to focus on are abortion rights uh transgender you know bullshit and gun rights and i'm like dude we just lost power for a week we were a third world country for a week what the fuck is wrong with you we why don't we look at the unchecked bureaucracy and like padded profit making fucks that these power generators all are because of how our market is structured let's evaluate that i think that that is more important why don't we evaluate our infrastructure our education not bullshit minutiae and that just goes to show you that it's like it's completely divide and conquer these guys are puppets there's a guy out of texas if you I, I got buddies that work in the in the legislature right and they feed me some info and it's just like if you want to know how it works in texas and why nothing is going to change it's because of these old school conservative guys like tim dunn who is sort of like the unofficial on guard representative of republican politics in texas the dude is wealthy as shit and he gets all of these guys abbott patrick paxton elected so they're all just in his pocket and these guys in the shadows are really the ones running it i mean if if it's truly if you if you want to buy into the politicians being our saviors and actually making all the decisions then go continue believing that but it's not how it works in the real world okay the money dictates the mouth and so you know when you look at it uh and how rick perry structured this entire starting with george w bush but rick perry really opened it up after enron deregulating ERCOT, you know um the electric reliability council of texas i think that this was i mean my conspiracy like when i'm sitting in the cold in the dark 
freezing my dick off a couple of weeks ago, I was truly <laughs> contemplating like my conspiratorial mind is like, is this an attack? Because it felt like one, you know, it felt like an infrastructural attack. Um, and just in the fact that the power generators had enough power to, to keep the lights on, but they chose not to supply power because of the price. And that is bullshit to me is that I sat in the dark and I watched half my neighbors lose their pipes and uh you know fucking water damage because of greed and money and this is exactly why we were all in the dark it's crazy dude and another thing what was even crazier is like i've lost power before but i've never lost service you know what i'm saying so like if something happened, like I couldn't even have called the cops. So like shit like that is just, it, you know. And it like, goes to show you we're one flip of a switch away from being a third world country. Yeah, I mean, twenty twenty one, man. Like, imagine if it was off for two weeks, like straight for everybody in Texas, thirty million people without power. How fast do you think it would degrade into like chaos? The first, it was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was really weird who they were like giving power to and weren't giving like there were entire um like there were schools that had power, schools like in the middle of the night that there was no school you know what i'm saying but like yeah well yeah like, if you were near a school or a hospital you were probably good you know yeah exactly but why would you i mean they they chose to power like the entire school instead of like the neighborhood next door you know they kept that, all of downtown houston lit up lit up and <laughs> There's yeah, nobody crazy. in those buildings, you know, it was like, and then the Merritt Turner was like, you know, well, like after the fact, like he, it, it, this transcends every political spectrum. If you're a Democrat, Republican, like that's the problem guys is the parties. It's the parties. They keep the, like, it, it's, I honestly wish that people would unite in 2022 and like a, in a, in a split the vote campaign let's fucking all agree like find someone you disagree with politically who you know is just going to cancel out your vote and you both agree to vote for a third party candidate and it doesn't matter who it is but it just has to, people have to stop voting republican or democrat i mean truly like i saw the way that I they were that. pointing fingers at each other immediately is just the divide and conquer shit that they want. You've got to follow mm -hmm. the money and look beyond the party. And that's the problem that like older people really don't see is, you know, and, and people like my parents' generation is they still see the, the party as the loyalty, you know, that the Ted Cruz goes and gets his hair done in Cancun. He's still gonna, might I'll still vote for him because he's a Republican. Okay. So like that, that, has to change um, because if they think that the Democrats are just going to go take all their guns, blah, 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 and the vice versa on the other side. I mean, and if you saw it immediately with how the media was like, was like shitting all over the, you know, Abbott and, and rightfully so like Abbott the week before this happened, he got an award for wind power. <laughs> Azim, will you Google Greg Abbott receives wind turbine award and check the date? Uh, this dude's uh, a clown man like he was just touting it as uh, the savior of renewable energies and then the shit fucking breaks and he immediately is like oh it's the fucking wind yeah he got, it on he got it february 9th like, <laughs> a month ago. give me a break That's wait crazy. read the headline read the headline it says texas governor guy abbott receives tri global energies wind leadership award That's what the it says. Wind. Wind. but then but then the week that it happened didn't he blame the wind turbines 
Yeah, he was like, this says that. Oh, yeah, yeah, here it is on, on, on February 17th. So, wait, he got the award from a wind turbine. Like, what was the award exactly? It was an award that recognizes commitment to wind development and to people <laughs> and wind projects to support their families and communities. <laughs> yes well the media didn't write about that i mean i didn't hear about that um but i'm (laughs) glad i found that out because oh look rick perry yeah Yeah, rick perry says texans would accept even longer power outages to keep the federal government out of their business well i don't think rick was freezing his dick off (laughs) um shivering that night and just being like thank god we're still independent <laughs> what a fucking idiot. I mean, Rick Perry is the reason for this. So, and he, he led the department that he also wanted, he forgot that he wanted to eliminate um, under Trump. So, you know, this guy, there's an aristocracy running this country. All right, guys. And it's like, it's, it's literally this, this class of rich people and they're all connected and they all, I mean, no one knows all of it, but they're all like in their own industries and they all make sure that they don't get fucked so that, you know, they don't care about you guys. They don't care. Rich people do not give a fuck about people. All right. Like that's what people have to see. And they use the parties as like the divide and conquer mechanism, but it's just it, like, you see it through Abbott. Oh, here. <laughs> Abbott said on February 17th, after accepting an award on February 9th for uh, wind power, this shows how the Green New Deal would be deadly deal for the United States of America, Abbott said to Sean Hannity. Our wind and our solar solar got shut down, and they were collectively more than 10% of our power grid, and that thrust Texas into a situation where it was lacking power on a statewide basis. It just shows that fossil fuel is necessary. After he gets an award for like revolutionizing wind power. Okay. And this to me, guys, like (laughs) you need to see that he's just a puppet. All right. He's just a poor little puppet and he's going to keep spouting off whatever the money tells him to. So he's, he's not beholden to himself. He's beholden to uh, the people that got him in that office. And the people have to realize that until they get people that are politicians that are beholden to the people and not big money interests, then nothing will change. Okay. You can keep voting and thinking that you're changing it, but you'll never change it as long as you vote for the traditional two parties at this point. It's just never going to change. You got to blow it up and start something new. And unfortunately, like it's not going to happen because what's going to happen now is all the people that voted for Biden that want to Trump out or it appears to be having immediate buyer's remorse. Uh, Joe Biden is nowhere to be found. <laughs> I don't know. Like most presidents by this point, every president dating back to like H.W. Bush has given a press conference by this point in their presidency. Uh, no, none from Joe. You know, he, he bombed Syria. So the military industrial complex is alive and well. Uh, <laughs> you know, they put Black Lives Matters, like Black Lives Matter stickers on the bomb. So I guess that makes it a little bit better, you know, but Everyone that voted for Biden thinking that shit was going to actually change, like, guess what, y'all? Y'all got fucking duped. And I told you you would, and I know that y'all didn't believe me, but he literally represents worse interests than what Trump did, in my opinion. But, like, it's the traditional bad, like, shit, you know? It's the it's the Blackwater military guys that are going to be just running shit and starting wars over in the Middle East so that we can get profitable again. Because unless we're in war, we're not making money on other countries. And, um, you know, as long as your Medicare and your Medicaid checks keep cashing, I guess you won't care enough. But 
truly that that is the difference here is that you know the same the same bullshit pervades no matter who's been president and like let's let's go over what biden's promised you know and like what he's done like i think <laughs> immediately like like the first two months i think he's issued more executive orders than any other president uh in the time span and he mr potato head is neutral so at least something important actually got done you know uh it's like we just there's no semblance of accountability you know wait what's um i i I think i maybe i missed something who's mr potato head (laughs) oh dude you didn't hear the most important biden initiative got passed um fucking mr potato head is gender neutral now so he's no longer a mister he is a potato head potato head yeah he's just a potato what wait is this a law wait azim will you google that yeah it just uh let me pull it up right now at least something's getting done. it says mr potato head drops the mr sort of oh it's just potato head <laughs> yeah so what's gonna happen to mr potato head? i mean dude at least problems are getting why'd that, solved why'd, that important get, why'd that get so famous though like why'd that get like so much attention I'm sure it was some right-wing outlet that dug it up and then made it into a thing. Uh, and then, then the media felt the need to overcorrect. <laughs> so it's like the Streisand effect, where <laughs> if, you, if you talk, if you say like, don't talk about it, only people. I'm gonna, will. I'm gonna. I was reading. I'm. I was reading a news article, and the. Uh, I'm just gonna read a quote. So it says, historian Kevin Cruz took the opportunity to dis. Uh, Ted Cruz by tweeting, <laughs> I've just logged on and t- to see genderless potato head trending. And I'm just going to assume that's about Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> After he got his hair braided. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He looked like a potato. <laughs> Did you see that meme of him looking like alien from spring breakers? Yeah. yeah that was oh my God. He looked like Michael Scott, like with what the one little bead in his hair <laughs> when he comes back. <laughs> what a fucking idiot i mean like be a normal rich person and fly private why would you use hpd to give you an escort to a public airport where the media really became a walking meme out of nowhere (laughs) i'm thinking back like if anyone watched the show the west wing this might have been before y'all it definitely was before y'all's time but it was a great show on nbc that that shows how americans think politics works but it's totally just like the like hollywood version of it but i'm just envisioning like (laughs) anyone that's a fan of the show it would be like you know the equivalent of like josh lyman you know where's his chief of staff why isn't he ramming into the suburban before they get to the airport being like what are you doing senator why would you do this (laughs) how do you think this is a good idea yeah oh fuck we and then why would he why would you allow your wife to be in a group text with anybody like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're a United States senator. You don't think that they're going to sell that shit to the New York Times the second that you send some shit like this? I mean, there's <laughs> your kids go to private school. They're secret liberals. Like, that's why it's hilarious to me. And, you know, it's just like, <laughs> I couldn't believe that he went to Cancun in the middle of it, but I also could. And it's like, what is he supposed to do? Sit there and hand out water? Like, yes, that is what he's supposed to do. Like, he's our politicians, our taxpayers, Paul, like, our tax money pays his fucking salary. He shouldn't be abandoning us to go to fucking vacation and blaming it on his daughters. You know, like 
What a horrible move. But he's still going to get reelected because he's a Republican. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like so stupid. But, you know, at, at the same time, uh, it's like, where's my fucking stimulus check, Joe? <laughs> you know, it, it, he, Real, he promised bro. checks would go out like the second week he got into office. I think he said he wouldn't ban fracking. He banned it on the first day. It killed like a tons of tens of thousands of jobs in Texas. Uh, he said he'd slowly get over, get away from Keystone over two years. On the first day, he banned it. That killed tens of thousands of jobs in Canada and the U.S. He said he'd forgive at least fifty thousand in student loan debt. And at the town hall meeting, he said he wouldn't do any of it. He said maybe ten thousand, but it's probably off the table. Uh, it'll stand up to Putin and Z, or Z, yeah, in China. And then last night, or not last night, at the town hall, he said that the Chinese Islam internment camps are just indifferences between nations that we need to overlook. So if you are supportive of the Chinese regimen uh, putting uh, religious dissenters in work camps, then I'm very glad that you're a supporter of Joe Biden. Uh, he said 15 hour national minimum wage, that's killed. So that won't be part of it. Um, $2,000 COVID relief checks on day one. Probably, I don't know when that's coming. Uh, oh, he signed a $250 million weapons deal with Raytheon. So that's good. You know, at least our priorities for infrastructure and our teachers are in line. Uh, oh, Trump was mismanaging COVID and killing people. And we have a day one plan to slow the virus and deaths. But I think they cut the PCR test cycles. And so COVID is now like down 80%, which is, it's amazing. It's a fucking miracle. COVID is down 80%? The, the case is reported. That's crazy. Since he took office on January 20th. And not everyone even got the vaccines yet. And he said he lower healthcare costs. I think the price of insulin went from like $60 to $360 on day one due to an executive order that reversed Trump's order, reducing the cost. So he's doing well. Um, and, you know, he, you know, everyone that's uh, proudly bleeding indigo, you know, good job. You got the fascist out. And you replace them with another one. Okay. That's just how it is. <laughs> and the dude's dementia ridden. He hasn't, he's not gonna, he hasn't delivered a, an address to Congress like most presidents already have by this point. The, they came out and said that there's security concerns at the Capitol and that's why, but it's because the dude is not cognizant. I mean, I don't think that he could even stand up there and deliver a 10 minute speech, most less an hour speech and like, remember where he was and what he was doing. You know, it's like, yeah. I think that the 25th amendment shit is going to be coming up pretty soon. And we'll finally get the Kamala rain. I saw a great meme of her the other day. It was like a mosaic of her face uh, made out of all of the mug shots of the nonviolent black men that she sent to prison while she was the attorney. general. <laughs> <laughs> I might make that the episode cover, actually. That'd be great. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay, Akash, we're running out of time. I wanted to... Uh, I got you a Christmas present. What what day is it? March 3rd. It's March! <laughs> okay, yes. Hold on. I got to switch it over to you. Let's see. All right, bro. What is it? Uh, okay. Is yes. Uh, no, it's, it's better than that. Is it a box of pizza? Oh, okay. Should I open it? Are you ready? Got it in Christmas? Dude, it's Christmas. Yeah. So he bought it for me on Christmas. 
and then we saw each other like a couple of weeks ago and then I got uh. it and it's just been sitting in my room he's like did it don't open it until we get to the podcast so it's just literally just I've just been staring at it for three weeks bro like wondering what that <laughs> is I can see that you didn't unwrap it and rewrap it so it's legit no no, no perfectly wrapped perfectly okay wrapped. what is it okay yes go ahead oh my god I hope it's a box of Okay, guys, first layer. First oh, wow. layer, we got a cardboard box. Uh, this is an okay. unboxing with a kosh. Unboxing with a kosh. Uh, next, next uh, <laughs> what's the what's the episode where? Oh, oh, we got it. Oh, oh. We got, we're making progress. Wait, here. that that was kind of sus. It opened by itself. <laughs> it's like a spring door. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Christmas, buddy. It's legit quality, too. Yeah, it's actually like a very, very high quality dartboard. What the heck? Did he give you any darts with it? Oh, yeah, yeah I came with some darts. Oh, wow. I have darts. And now you, dude, so I knew uh, you needed that's that would be perfect for you. This is perfect for me. Nothing is better than you just getting to take out your stress and like anger on me by throwing fucking darts at my face. <laughs> this is actually this is very thoughtful, bro. This is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> Did you expect that? Where did you that think was, it was? That was amazing. That's funny. <laughs> Ooh, fuck yeah, oh, man. man. Well, uh, Merry Christmas in March, and it, uh, I'm glad you Merry survived Christmas. COVID, bro. Thank we'll you, thank go, you. Uh, get back to work. Start making me some money. Courts are opening sure. back up. Yeah. Oh, wait. When are they opening up? They're opening up soon? No. Oh. I'm just saying that out of optimism. <laughs> Blind optimism. <laughs> I don't know, though, man. I feel good. Like, I feel, I've gotten... I, I, I feel like a shift in energy. I feel like the clients they, are going to start coming the back. The tides are turning, right? It's kind of come back. Like it's got to. I mean, it, it's, it, yeah. All right, all right, brother. RIT. Well, we love you and uh, and put up that dartboard. I want to see yeah, it on the wall. I'm, I'm going to, dude. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Always remember to just shut the fuck up, Akash. <laughs> oh, fact. Yeah. In, in every situation. That's right. Every time you talk to anyone, including your parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome on uh, attorney Matt Weidman from all the way from St. Louis, Missouri. Welcome on, Matt. How you doing? Nice to meet you, man. How are you doing? Good to see you. Uh, Matt and I met through Hugh Brazier. Did you know I, was gotten, I got his name wrong for like five years? <laughs> I live with him. I didn't even know it for a bunch of years. I hope you called him by the wrong name too then. Uh, Matt and I met actually a few weeks ago and um he was down visiting hugh for the weekend so he got to listen into the podcast and he asked if uh he could come on so he's coming from uh st louis missouri he is what was it the 12th best i would say the 12th best uh, landlord tenant attorney in all of st louis missouri very proud of that <laughs> all right man well that's that's the top dozen 
three star avo rating i'm going hoping for one more star soon you can pay people for that now i think <laughs> i'll pay some guy in indonesia to sit there and just make five star reviews exactly yeah fiverr.com that's all you need uh matt joins us today to we're gonna discuss an important topic uh one that is not well discussed or often discussed i think enough and that is the uh like landlord tenant side of the law and uh specifically tenants protecting themselves uh with their leases with the, that they often haven't read. And we were just going to kind of touch on with the COVID, uh, you know, CDC uh, eviction moratorium, we were going to kind of go over everything and maybe try and give the uh, listener an understanding, you know, a layman's understanding of kind of what's going on, but we're also kind of going to go over some fun little differences that we've found in practicing uh in missouri versus texas and uh matt likes a couple of conspiracies uh as well so tune in and we'll uh we'll talk about how joe biden is going to save us all right so yeah <laughs> matt uh thank you for for being here uh can you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, i appreciate it i've been practicing law for about 10 years i uh, graduated law school with hugh brazier in 2011 uh, I work for a mid-sized firm out of uh, downtown St. Louis. My brother and I ran a landlord-tenant business where we had rental property that we're kind of divesting out of that recently. So I've done just about everything under the sun when it comes to landlord-tenant. So I've done the managing side, dealing with tenants. I've done the getting permits side, so dealing with the city and the municipality. Uh, I've dealt with evicting the tenant. Sometimes I'm the witness, sometimes I'm the attorney. I've done. Have you ever uh, been both? I have been both. <laughs> oh, great. I can't wait to hear about that. <laughs> I, so my practice is focused on real estate to a certain extent. And I do represent tenants here and there. Tenants usually don't always have the money to pay you as an attorney, which is sometimes unfortunate, the system that we, we are in. Uh, but I do do tenant law. I actually signed up a, probably a jury trial for a tenant case for a wrongful eviction. So that sounds it's, fun. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. I, I have a lot of criminal clients that don't pay me too. So uh, <laughs> we can relate. It's, uh, it's one of those things that it's an area of law that and now has become very, very important. So I, I would say this, I probably get 12 phone calls a week from just referrals about questions about landlord tenant more than I've ever gotten. They don't tend to sign up as much as they used to, but I get sure. A lot oh, no, it's blowing calls. up though. And I mean, with the markets being the way they are, it's just kind of crazy. Like, I don't know how it is where you are, but I mean, here it's the hottest market it's been in, in decades, you know, it's impossible. Like there's six, seven buyers on any piece of property under a million dollars, uh, in Houston. So it's crazy. I mean, it is incredibly hot. Two of the guys, the doctors I do jujitsu with were asking me about what what in a rental property they would get in with what area of St. Louis or Missouri they would get into. And I was kind of giving my best advice. I was kind of scaring them a little bit about the bad stuff because as attorneys, we only see most of the bad stuff. We don't see really the great stuff typically how it's a Never. great way. To, you know, uh, it's avoid. just, we, we get to deal with the worst, <laughs> the worst, <laughs> let us clean it up. You know uh, that's kind of what we're doing. You know, we're like the dentist. No one enjoys paying us. No, they don't necessary. In, in Texas, are they have do they have a moratorium against uh, the filing of evictions or the yeah well the, so they have the evictions are still being filed however uh, but the problem being that most people aren't aware of the specific like steps that they need to take um, which is that they just basically need to submit an affidavit to their landlord stating that they uh, make under a certain amount of money and 
that they, uh, you know, cannot pay rent due to the crisis. And while that doesn't prevent the filing of the eviction lawsuit, it should, judges are still granting evictions basically because of technicalities wherein people aren't correctly protecting themselves, um, but largely because they can't afford an attorney to tell them what they should or shouldn't do. Uh, you know, and, and, and a large chunk of this is, is, is vastly under uh, served like economic communities uh, wherein it's, it's uh, disproportionately, you know, minority communities and um, it's, it's, it's devastating because there's people just losing their houses left and right. You know, these are people that are, that are food service workers at, at Astros games or whatever, and they haven't been able to work and, and there's nothing that they could do, you know? So uh, without the ability to, to earn a living, it's just, it's put people in these incredibly tough bind. And I'm sure, as you know, you're getting 12 calls a week. So people are trying to do, and I'm sure it's, it's equally frustrating on the, on the landlord side, uh, you know, <laughs> wherein it, it's, it's all funneling to the bank <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. you know, <laughs> maybe that's the broader issue we need to look at, but, uh, but tell us a little bit about kind of, um, in your experience, like what you've seen, uh, people like just common sense things they can do to protect themselves. Uh, just generally as a tenant and if they're facing an eviction, maybe. Well, the easiest answer is this is just comes from law school, but read your lease. You would be surprised how many people don't read their lease. You'd be also surprised how many landlords don't read their lease. They get their <laughs> lease from LegalZoom or I've even seen one. I saw the one that we just signed up was uh, one of those leases you can buy at uh, FedEx one of those container store FedEx, like you can buy a little lease in the front. <laughs> Wait, they have it like a pamphlet. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, awful. great. You fill in the blanks. Yeah. It's just awful. And I'm sure there's a binding arbitration clause somewhere on that. <laughs> there, there was what I thought was the prevailing party gets attorney's fees, which I was just like, wow, I haven't seen that since like the eighties. <laughs> on a FedEx pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because well, the corporations do run America, but we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's the broader issue. The big thing is you got to see how see, in Missouri, and I don't know, it, obviously this is highly contextual to a certain extent in Missouri, but the cure provisions are what, what areas uh, of the lease can be, that can breach the lease. So in Missouri, if uh, the leach is breached, breached by non-payment of fees or non-payment of or late fees or rent, or if you just say like, let's say have an alligator in your backyard, um, they can <laughs> file what they call an unlawful attainer. So it's a little, a little less statutory protections for the tenant and it's a little faster for the landlord. Um, but other things too that I think there are, are important just is like, just what are your late fees? How are they charged? How do they even make sense? Because what you'll see is a lot of times landlords are just, they'll just claim all this crap that has no basis in the, even the lease that they're claiming. Half the time when I represent a tenant, I just go, okay, let me see the lease. This is bullshit. This is no, this can't be possible. This will right. never fly in division 28. There's no way. This so rule number lab. one, read your lease. Yeah. And, it, and it's like this and every good lease should be written as if a non-lawyer can understand it. Cause that's what you're going to see. I mean, if you take it to a jury 
a jury has to understand. So the lease that I have, even though it's written totally in my client's favor, it's written as if a jury would read it. I don't put any fancy language or uh, the client, the tenant shall pay in perpetuity, the one half pence of six cents <laughs> of an hour of, of a sure, fortnight. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And like the unnecessary paragraphs that you'll see in a lot of apartment complex leases, et cetera you know, the stock language that's just not needed. Uh. <laughs> it's, done to, it's done to scare you. I mean, it's really done right. to scare you and make you feel Yeah, like I think so. It'll, it'll never, ha- never hold up in court. And any attorney with their salt could just destroy that argument any day. Right. And that's, that is what's not known um, is that, you know, you have a little bit more power than you think you do, as long as you're willing to do a little bit of homework. Uh and I think that should be a good lesson, you know, for anyone that's uh, either a, a landlord or a, a, a renter. And <laughs> like, there's a lot of le- people that probably don't even know that, <clears throat> say you're coming up on the end of your lease term, but you don't want to necessarily move out. You, If the landlord doesn't give you 60 days written notice in Texas is a, is a standard generally uh, that's checked on a standard uh, lease then you automatically go month to month until they give you a 30 days written notice to move so that you can you can buy yourself a couple of extra months actually if you need to to live somewhere um just by reading your lease because then they'll be like well your lease is up and you can say well actually no uh you didn't give me 60 days written notice so i am triggering this month to month clause like do you have you seen stuff like stuff like that wherein uh it may be a little bit different in missouri but just where you can just buy yourself some extra options by reading your lease. Well, so in Missouri, uh, we don't have a whole lot of statute that covers it. We just, we have a lot of case law. So there can be some issues with that. And the the quality of leases varies from, as we just joked about. I don't think any state's property code is uh, (laughs) the uh, model example. I can't give you one. (laughs) So so in in Missouri, uh, if you stay past your lease and uh, they don't send, I, I would probably argue you probably need to give them notice that you stay past your lease, uh, it'd be, you get 30 days. So then you're, yeah. you're te- no, technically you're a month, a month tenant, and then you would get 30 days to leave. Obviously you'd have to pay during that period of time, but you would have a 30 day period to leave. So uh, some leases say, Hey, well, if you stay past this, I'm accelerated to $10 million in, in the city in the count, St. Louis city, St. Louis County, Kansas city counties, you could probably, that's probably BS. People are not, the, the judge have the power to say that's unconstitutional or it's- it Well, send me some. an invoice for 10 million bucks. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but in the outer counties, like the more rural counties, I mean, I think you could probably get away with it. I've seen it, then get away with it. What, uh, unlimited rent? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll raise the rent to like, like $1,200 from like 600 bucks just to get rid of the tenant. Uh, so they'll double it on them? Yeah. I, w- I would advise my clients not to do that because this is like this. You only want to go into court and with, with making reasonable arguments, making ridiculous, stupid arguments. It makes you look just as it wastes your time and the court's time. And they're not going to fall for it because they, in, in Missouri, I don't know how it is in Texas. Uh, we elect our judges after a certain period of time. So you got to get elected. You can't go into division 28 or 34 in the County and act like with these ridiculous arguments, because some people have been known to get so upset of the judge to campaign against them for the rest of their life till they lose their spot. <laughs> I think that happens everywhere, <laughs> especially in the County I practice in, which is sort of a, it's an urban rural County mix. And uh, you know, it's crazy because you get the mix of both people. And I love practicing there because half my jury is Trump loving and half is Biden loving, right? You know, it's literally a straight up mixture because you get the country folk and city folk mixing. 
uh, and the judges are largely now they they have been it's been a purple wash pretty much into democratic uh views so it's just it's crazy to see the tide sort of change um with how our election and our the elected like just the fact that you have to have an rd next to your name to administer justice also interesting to me on a broader level but <laughs> so, so in missouri we had in the St. Louis city and St. Louis county we had the non uh non uh what do you call it uh Okay, nonpartisan judicial committee, which is relatively partisan. So you have to. It's, <laughs> of course, it is. <laughs> from my understanding of it, I, I'm I'm poorly under, poorly educated by because you clearly I'm not trying to be a judge anytime soon. But <laughs> sure, I, well, we like making money uh, or try anyway. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's parts of it where our it's selected by the governor, and there's I think there's a heavy union presence. There's a heavy plaintiff's attorney presence. And uh, you have to go in front of there and basically answer questions and they, they submit your name to the governor and you get selected. Then after that point in time, you then get elected by, by uh, you know, obviously the constituents in the county. Every other, where, every other place you can just run. So if you're just some regular guy, if you're a regular attorney, you can run and win. And oftentimes it happens. I was in a case in Pulaski County where uh how I many a, people live in Pulaski County? Well, it's, it's, uh, the, it's the home of Fort Leonard Wood, the uh, army base. <laughs> So I was oh, a, okay. So quite a few. <laughs> so I was in an, I was in a case where uh, the guy that I was against is a pretty well-known attorney and he's a big army guy. Like he, I mean, I don't want to say this guy's name, very, very well-known attorney. Sure. And I ended up doing very well against this guy. And, and I probably get in a, in a situation where I would get honed because I don't think he backed the other, the, uh, this guy. The, the oh judges. yeah. So you, yeah. And you can often find yourself getting hometown in smaller counties, man. It's just, Oh. depending on who the judge is friends with you know it's crazy because that will dictate how he rules or she rules sometimes oh, I've, <laughs> I've been hometown so many times the thing is this some of it is why i go to these places I'm, I'm willing to go a lot of my colleagues won't go i have a friend of mine who won't go to certain counties because he's a, not afraid but he just knows what happens to me i uh i worked for a firm and we i primarily worked in the rural county so i drove all throughout the middle of missouri so i've been to just about every little small one horse town and some of them are good, but a lot of times I, I heard it's uh beautiful out there. It's uh, it's kind of unique. <laughs> a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of what, a lot of what's out there. Just a lot of like, it, I mean, it looks like a normal Rockwell painting. You go in these places, and <laughs> the original, yeah. the original courthouse from the depression era. That was, you know, so it just looks closer. like time stood still in some of these places. Uh -huh. I bet. Yeah. yeah. The bathrooms are downstairs. <laughs> Swothering heights all over again. Yeah. Uh, there's probably still people named Heathcliff, I imagine as well. Um, <laughs> uh, it's awesome though, that you practice like that. I like that you could take initiative and you go out there and you're like, fuck it. I don't care if I get hometown. Uh, because like, it's true. Like, especially in, in the criminal sphere, um, at smaller counties, you know, especially in Texas where it's very conservative. If, if I get a call on a County that's even outlying Houston, I will, ensure that i have a friend or know a guy or get a, get a number of a guy who works there so i can ask him hey i might need to bring you on as local counsel so that i can make sure that the judge knows that i'm not just some city slicker you know i need i need somebody that can vouch for me and as an attorney you have to sort of be strategic about that and it's not as prevalent for people that practice in bigger cities i imagine but like in a state like texas or missouri where you have a lot of rural areas it's definitely something that a lot of people don't even think about, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I am the epitome of a St. Louis guy. I mean, I have a, my hair slicked back. I usually wear a bow tie. I drive a Lexus. I, mean, I look like <laughs> well, wait, the are guy you, uh, that you hate. Oh, wait, isn't there like a, are you from the, uh, uh, oh, wait, are you a big Nelly fan, number one? Of course, number of course. Love, I love Cornell Haynes Jr., of course. <laughs> okay, good. I mean, I don't think we could have continued if you hadn't said that you love him. I mean, actually, really, I've met him several times. He's actually a really nice guy. He I mean, like not. Oh, yeah. People in this, every St. Louis person has a story about him. He's awesome. He was very nice to me. <laughs> Tell me your Nelly him. story. We got, wait, wait. This is way more interesting than anything we're talking about. Well, I went to, uh, I went to a, a all boys private school and then. Oh, the, another prep school boy like you. I did. I did. <laughs> I got to get some diversity on here, man. Shit. <laughs> All right, go on. How did you meet fu- Nelly after you were in private school? I do want to know that. So I was, uh, I went to high school with the mayor's son, the former mayor of St. Louis' son. And I'm not really close to them or I wasn't really at the time, but he would Is always he talk about responsible him. for moving the football team out of there? Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> you're talking about, you're talking about the, the owner Who's of the, the owner of the Rams. Who was that? Oh. Oh my God. Uh, what's his name? I hate him so much. Stan Kroenke. I, I didn't want to give you that PTSD, but I had to, <laughs> they took your team away, man. I know I'm still, I'm still slightly bitter at the NFL. <laughs> slightly. Well, at least you got the blues, right? But I, I got an underground CD of Nelly's original stuff that he was singing from that yeah. kid. From Go the, ahead. From Let's the mayor hear it. of St. Louis. So I, so I like was a big Nelly head. If you were, will they say nowadays? Sure. The kids say, so you would stomp in Air Force Ones like from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I heard about, and then like I would hear stories from uh, that kid going to his concerts at relatively urban clubs that were very not, that were not common for kids of us to travel at. We were also very young too. And, wait, wait, uh, wait what, 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 this is like early 2000s, right? Yeah, like 98, 99. <laughs> See, this is before 9-11. There was no, you could go, you could walk up to the gate at the airport, say goodbye to your relatives. This was, this was my childhood. The kids these days would never understand. That's so funny that you say that because you could get away with doing this stuff. Oh, there's a place called the Monastery, which was largely an urban club that was in a transition part of town <laughs> gentrified yeah uh-huh. that wasn't gentrified yet and so <laughs> okay I, yeah. I, so he he played those concerts I, I believe he played clubs dancing clubs where girls danced uh <laughs> so you got exposed early on you know you well, were, I mean, uh... <laughs> but you know how it is when you're younger you're like who cares if people get stabbed in the parking lot it's the music's good well, i don't care whatever as long as i'm home for dinner <laughs> so I, I went to the the fancy mall here in st louis and he was right. walking out of neiman marcus with two of like the biggest guys I've ever seen in my entire life. Like two giant, like green mile looking His dudes. bodyguards, you presume? Two bodyguards, yeah. He's he's a smaller guy. I'm a big dude. And I yeah. run up on him and I just, of course, and like- Wait, very, you ran up on him? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like, like one of like those- Like a like, fanboy? Like, wait, like, like at the mall, like you run out of Air Apostle oh, yeah. and you're like, hey, Nelly. <laughs> yeah, legitimately like uh, maybe- like a Backstreet Boys fan, like screaming. <laughs> you did not. How old? I, oh, I did. Oh, I <laughs> Wait, did. how old were you then? It was like 15, 16. Okay. All right. I thought this was like last week. <laughs> uh, dude, I don't know if I saw him again, I would probably still be like, oh my God. Oh, same situation, same story. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. he's like a hero of us, you know? But so so he, did, he, did he, was he like, hey, what's up? He's like, hey man, what's going on? How are you? And I was like, I was like, Nelly, I, I love your, your verse and joyous occasion. He's like, joyous occasion. That's like, he's like, man, that's a old, that's an old track. I was like, man, I've, I've had, I've been your fan since like 97. I listen to you. And he's like, I appreciate that. I'm like, I'll, I'll buy every one of your CDs. I'm like, I love, man, you're awesome. Like, thank you for what you do for St. Louis. He's like, faux show, faux show. 
<laughs> Dude, that's the ultimate Nelly story. That's not even, you didn't even get a picture. No cell phones, baby. Well, we didn't have them back then. I mean, I, no, I that was that. See, all you have is the story, you know? And like nowadays, if you didn't have it on TikTok, that never happened. So a party <laughs> next to his house and he, um, Oh, we, good. Wait, was this was this when you were fifteen? Yeah, Lake St. Louis. The girl knocked <laughs> on the door, and uh, there were a bunch of people who knocked on his door, and he was just like, the security guard was just like, like, what the hell are y'all doing here? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> he was gonna like talk to him like he's a regular person. Okay, so does everyone everyone in St. Louis has a, has a Nelly story then? Oh yeah, I mean, I I saw him at spring break in college. He played somewhere in Padre. And it was, it was super Wait, nice. You saw, him, you saw him doing interstate commerce. You even traveled state yeah. lines and you were, okay. So y'all are just on the same wavelength. Yeah. Trick, Trick Daddy was like purchasing Swisher Sweets and like like a, a mellow yellow in front Wait, of me. Wait, Trick like, Daddy is an investor in Swisher Sweets? No, no, I was at, I was in Padre. I was in Texas. And oh, oh, it was like oh, Baby Bash. oh, I see. Yes. It was Baby Bash, Nelly. I saw Trick Daddy. He was buying Swisher Sweets and some like some, <laughs> some soda. And I, and I go, is that, tr-? I go, that's trick daddy. And he goes, uh-huh. And he's smiling at all gold teeth. I was like, I love that guy. Dude, speaking of the, uh, senior year spring break for me, we went to Dustin and saw the Yin Yang twins. Oh. Uh, it was <sighs> during their prime, man. And it was like, shorty crunk on the floor. Oh, you know, and it was just like, everyone was, and they brought out like these, um, little people dressed as Oompa Loompas and they, one of them bit the other one on stage. I got video of it. I'll have to uh, find it, man. It's crazy, but it was like the coolest. I was like, man, life really goes downhill after this, you know, after something like that, it was just, you know, I, you graduate, you go to law school and life kind of sucks after that. But I mean, it was incredible. I was on a party bus at, at with a bunch of 22 year olds last Saturday and they were playing all <laughs> all of this music and i was like dancing and i know all the words are like how do you know this well i'm like i'm like man i was i was younger i was this is like my generation this is like this is our jams like Dude, you're an elder millennial man welcome to the to the club we're like ancients you know we i i i always presume that anyone that didn't have to experience like music skipping at any point is not ready for this world you know so just, everyone like, born like 97 and after is like just just a shell of what a human being used to be just based on like the fact that a tablet shoved into your face like from birth but uh that notwithstanding those societal issues i love that you met nelly like multiple occasions and that you uh danced with him like in texas during south padre spring break that's incredible what else is like good st louis doesn't it have like an autonomous zone now where like cops won't even go in there well, St. Louis has always had an autonomous zone. It's called the rougher neighborhoods of St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I mean, does this are you were telling me the other day, or you were telling me when you were here, like that there are some neighborhoods where their police officers will not go. Yeah, so in North St. Louis, uh, I don't spend much time there because I've I've only gone there a few times. It's very very rough. Not, not doing any uh, landlord tenant uh, in there. No, no. Statistically, it's one of the <laughs> roughest. Uh, areas of the country i believe it's got yeah, some of the highest sure, sure. murder rate in the country per capita uh it, it's man and i know like i know some city cops and the city cops won't go there without multiple city cops and i believe and they get shot at they uh it's not a real safe spot up there and there really isn't much you can do i mean like, to a certain extent there for lack of a term there's really not much law i know my brother and I looked at purchasing a house there and we had an appraisal go there and the appraiser went on top of the roof, to check the roof up and they stole his ladder. 
So he had to call another appraisal company to bring a ladder out oh, to get off the roof. So he was stuck on the roof from like 9.30 to like 12.30 p.m. Hey, sorry, bro. Uh, we'll pass on that property. And I was like, maybe I don't want to live in a place where they steal ladders. And he just While said, you're appraising the property. It reminds me of uh, <laughs> it's that vacation where he drives up in the ghetto and he asks for directions and they put his car on blocks while he's doing it. Oh, yeah. It's a... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's an area it's an area that's like it, it obviously i don't want to you know we make light of how awful things are you know yeah but no it's stuff. crazy to me because like it no one there's no one doing anything about it uh you know it's no one's going in there and cleaning it up oh no, from a from a political standpoint what makes me sad is the same old people get elected in st louis city and they use the same stories and there's no really no really good plan that's going to do anything to stop it it just makes you kind of sad it makes you maybe what they say in the and here I'll date myself. The ultimate black pill you take is because you see, <laughs> and, and, it, and it's and it's it largely makes you a little bit of a nihilist. Yeah, I think so. Oh yeah, I mean it's you. It's largely largely Democrats get elected, but I, honestly, I don't think it would matter if you Republicans were in the same situation where they had nearly unlimited uh, likelihood of getting elected. There's no anybody to, to challenge you. You're going to just do the same old, same old, and you're going to just care about getting your 120 grand a year and keep your pension and get your free car. And, and I think, I, honestly, I would tell this people all the time. I was like, if somebody had voted independent over there, the whole place would go, would collapse and things would change so quickly. Oh, I think that that's, I literally, um, it's funny you mentioned that because like on this episode, I talk about how uh, I, I wish that people would find someone that disagree with ideologically, uh, politically, and then they both agree to vote for someone that's a third party and not one of the two. And and that way it takes away the power. Cause I think the two party system really is the, the, the crux of the issue in America uh, being that both sides point fingers and then no real solutions are ever presented so that the rich and the, you know, the ultra to ultra wealthy continue their quest and uh, unabated because they have these puppets that go around and distract us all with nonsense, you know? And so it's like, if people, and I saw a great poll that was encouraging is that 60% of Americans now would support the idea of a third party. So I, it, it, it at least lets me know that I'm not the only one that's sick of it. You know, it's just, well, I mean, what, what is the right answer? How do we do it? You know, that that's where they send in like their, their disinformation agents to break up any sort of cohesive effort, you know? Well, what's sad is, I mean, you, you see the, the obviously modern problems we're facing, you have 1952 solutions. Like, how is it the choice either like 1,000? man, that's the generation they're <laughs> from, right? Like, that's, that's the other issue is that we've got a, how old is the president? How old is the secretary? I mean, I, how old is the speaker of the house? How old are these people that are in charge? And I mean, like, that's got to be something that we got to start. Like, do we, we got to get some like younger, fresher blood in there or because these old school solutions that keep, they aren't solutions that these old yeah, school talking points just, I think everyone under 40 is sick of it, man. Like, I do think we're going to see some sort of radical change, at least over the next 10 years, wherein I hope enough smart people uh, that are moderates in both parties that really just want to see the country get better, but also not like completely profitize healthcare and our jails and our, you know, everything uh, that we actually can treat people like human beings too, uh, that they'll come together, you know, at some point, but 
until that happens, it's just fucking madness, you know, as we see every day in the news. It's just yeah, I mean, and, like, that's what, and that's what you see is like you can you tell me we can pacify uh, the Mahdi militia in Baghdad, but we can't pacify North St. Louis where people can go and like walk their kids on the street. I mean, you can't, you can do stuff like that. I, I thought I kind of, I'm not saying that North St. Louis is like their enemy combatants to treat it that way, but the way a, a mix of security and investment and caring is much better than just claiming there's an alien power over us that is making you poor. So vote for me constantly. Why I still, why I drive a nice car and make, or that person thinks you're a racist or this person thinks you're racist. So you need it. Yeah. And like, it's just so lazy, the tropes that you hear now that they don't work anymore in a digital age where everyone is wiser than that. You know, it did work in the eighties and the nineties. That's why everything appeared so good. No one knew they were getting fucked over, you know, by making the debt unsustainable. And now we're in a point where it's just like, it's run away, you know? And here's here's the sad part is, and this is a, this is the honest guy truth, just like the, like women not being allowed to vote or being able to participate in the economy in the early 1900s, the late, you know, the early, the all 1800s, 1700s, you just lose a good part of your human capital that, that everyone in North St. Louis I mean, there's probably what a thousand engineers in there, a thousand scientists, you know, a genius level people, not to mention just let people like you and me who are on the white, white collar side, if they just had someone to invest in them and care about them and gave two shits about them. I mean, and think how much more a genius level, Steve Jobs level people are just chilling there that just don't have the right outlet. I mean, I've, I've, I've done, I've done less criminal law than you have. And I've met guys that are are brilliant oh dude the amount of schemes that i have seen go down in jail like this is emmy worthy i mean (laughs) brilliant i mean it's like man i I tell you this i could sit in a room all day and i couldn't come up with i could be in detention all day they're 10 steps ahead of law enforcement and that's the thing is that they're crafty man and they are very intelligent but we don't you, you wreck them from the time that you, you call them a juvenile delinquent, you know, mm-hmm. just those two words attached to your name will make your life different um, at a young age. And that's a lot of times kids that are just the product of their circumstances. Like you see in like in impoverished St. Louis or in Houston, anywhere. I mean, a lot of places it's the same exact thing where you've got a lot of promises uh, and then when the demo, you know, it's generally a lot of promises and I've seen this, like it's a promises from the Democrats specifically about how there are solutions, but whenever they actually get power, I never see the solutions implemented. I just see self-serving stuff. And like the difference, main difference being Republicans aren't, aren't, <laughs> they don't lie about being self-serving assholes. No, they just no, they don't. <laughs> and, and there's like, I, I know, I know a girl who's a giant, uh, uh, what do you call it? A uh, gold digger. And I respect her because her issues are like, look, I, I'm very attractive. I want to meet a guy who has money. I'm going to look at his watches and I'm going to look at his shoes. And I'm going to, when I, is, when I first come meet him, I'm going to try to see his bank account, see what his debt is. I may try to run a bank. And you're like, and you're like and you're, someone would say, well, that's awful. That's a really shitty person. You shouldn't be around that person. I see her as a, as a, like a breath of fresh air. Like she's doing something that people don't often do, but she's very open about it. And, <laughs> Honesty like, is refreshing. <laughs> something you're like, you're like, Thank hey, you for being honest and just like admitting that you don't give a fuck. You know, like so many people hide behind their, you know, it's just crazy because you're right. Like just honesty 
honesty is what we need again. I think that everyone's like when, when social media started to get real repercussions, you saw everyone's collective buttholes clinch, you know, because they didn't want to say something that would make them generally lose their jobs most importantly. But then now it's forced everyone to hold on to the same views, but they aren't expressing them. Uh, and so it's like, well, those people haven't gone away. It's just that they're watching and they're, they're very angry and they're like, it's crazy because it is bubbling up. I see it just by the silencing and the censoring of the, the, the right. It's just gonna, it's like, it's like they're creating the tea party, but it's going to be two times worse. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. and the, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. And I just, it's not the proper way to have governance. I think it's just, it's crazy because I, I, I wish that, I wish that, you know, like you and I have talked outside of like law. It's just, I wish that people would step back from their own fucking self-absorbed reality sometimes and just kind of like, be like, oh, this is wrong. You know, like, why are we profitizing people's lives? You know, or why are we, why are we, you know, making sure people are homeless just to satisfy debts? You know, like that, that's kind of the broader questions. When you I hate, I hate to, I hate to question, to quote a, an amazing Texas attorney. I'm going to do probably butcher this quote, but Mark Bennett is a brilliant guy. Actually, he's a, he's relative <laughs> of, of a, another brilliant attorney from Missouri. Um, uh, and Jim Bennett, who's by the way, an awesome guy. He was a beta at my school, my fraternity. And uh, very, it was my brother's mentor at Brian Cave, another great uh, big time law firm in St. Louis. Beta Theta Pi. Yeah, Beta Theta Pi. Mark, J Jim Bennett, I believe he clerked under Scalia. Supreme oh, really? Court. Where'd you go to people. school? Where did you go to um, undergrad and law school? Westminster College. Oh, and then I cool. went to law school in Oklahoma City University. I went That's to right. my with, master with, with Mr. You. Brazier. <laughs> but uh, Mark Bennett, Bennett said it best. You must analyze the the idioms or your are the beliefs that you hold the deepest and anytime you're looking at making a decision because it's often those it's often those that probably lead you astray the most that you think this makes sense so a b c d makes sense when oftentimes you don't know that a is always true and there are times it isn't and it's so funny it's like i often think that i'm a pretty bright guy but i can see myself falling into the, just the boring tropes that everybody says, oh, people on welfare are lazy. Oh, well, because I pay too much taxes. I'm like, well, no. Or is everybody on welfare lazy? No. There's a certain amount of people who are trying to do better. And I've known people on welfare that have gotten, that have gotten off it. If it wasn't for that, they'd probably be starving or dying of typhus in the 1800s. So it's it's questions my own beliefs about things that I, that I'm hard deep. I don't think a lot of people do do that. Like I, I think a great example is I used to, um, help out with the innocence project in law school. And I also, I did uh, an anti-death penalty. I don't believe in the death penalty. I'm not a big fan. And there were a bunch of uh, nuns that were there, Catholic nuns. And I sat at a coffee shop with a bunch of nuns and they basically schooled me on the law and on kind of just about biology, about, about abortion. They're not big fans of it. I'm still on the side of, I don't like the government making decisions for people, for anyone, but Man, I, I tell you this, I used to be 100% for abortion. I'm probably 70-30 now, 60-40. It's just some things I, it, the parallels between that and the death penalty bother me. That, sure. 
And it's something I think every, every intelligent person who claims to know or think that they're balanced should be able to make a good argument about both. If you can't make a good argument about both sides, then you probably need to go back and read a book. Well, most people want to be told what the argument should be and the correct one. Like that's what I'm seeing. The, the, especially in these younger generations, they want to be told, they want to make sure that it's, it's the correct side that they're on and that they're, and that, that that's more important than the, the factual side. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think it was Camus, like, like the, what you were speaking to about the welfare, like Camus, I think said like the welfare of the people has always been the alibi of tyrants giving the servants of tyranny, a good conscience. And wow. <laughs> true. I honestly believe that. And uh, it's, it's crazy because I, I was reading, I, I saw an Instagram story from a teach. My, my girlfriend follows like this, this teacher. She's a good uh, influencer, but she was like going over how lesson plans still include the pros and cons of slavery. <laughs> you know, and it's like, what are the pros? You know, but like you, if you're asking kids to analyze from a historical context, I believe that would be a, a, a good lesson, you know, like yeah. to be that, America could not have been the most powerful country in the world, but for slavery. And that if you don't admit that, then I don't know how I, the, 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 our economy would not have been able to be what it was without it. And even after it was done or after it was abolished, we still, uh, we, we, we came up with a plan B once we instilled the fed, right? Like it was just kind of like everyone ran out of money right after world war one. And we were like, what are we going to do? Oh, uh, federal income tax. We'll pay for world war one. Guess what? We're still paying for it. <laughs> what you see about the United States is it's a series of band-aids over bullet wounds of over course. and over again. So, so here is this. You, you say, Oh, we have slavery and we have a giant civil war where people in, in my state are riding around on horses and murdering each other under the guys that you're a Confederate or you're uh, well, wasn't a Missouri, federal. like a split state. Yeah, it was really, it's had the largest amount of men under arms. I was part of the German population that came here, the dirty Germans after I believe um, probably the 18, early 1800s. My, my family was one of the founding families of Jefferson County and Washington County. Oh, really? Yeah. Big up Jefferson Germans. County, Missouri. So, and they were, they were, uh, you know, big Lutherans. They were not big fans of slavery. Uh, a lot of my family members served in, I believe, the second Missouri. And there's the second battle of the Civil War, Wilson's Creek. Uh, the Germans attacked a larger group of Confederates. And after that, pretty much the Confederate resistance in Missouri was just basically guerrilla bands. Obviously, Quantrill's Raiders, Jesse James, very famous. They attacked Lawrence and burned Lawrence down. That's why I Missouri and so Kansas don't get along. Are you a Civil War guy? I was a huge nerd about it for a long time. Dude, I, uh, I, I am, uh, I like Civil War stuff too, man. I, I really love, enjoyed studying that stuff. Um, and it's, and it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think we find it fascinating because it's we're on the precipice of another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems this is then you know you didn't really find a way to to resolve that issue. You know, Reconstruction was only for a couple of years and they stopped it. You know, it was one well. Of that was only because of the deal they made after the presidency was yeah. uh, disputed. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, and, and you could. And you, yeah, you could have done a better job of that. And then you think about all the other issues that we've dealt with. I mean, I, I think it's a good example of, you know, World War One, the debt that we came up with that. How do you deal with the fact that the government is now super powerful and strong? It's going past what is even allowed to be under the Constitution. World War Two is another thing. And now we've just seen the war on terror. Basically, 
everyone believes that it's okay to have troops anywhere for whatever reason. That's way past it. And it, as long as it's keeping us safe, Matt. <laughs> no, it's funny as I told people. Oh, wait, I mean profitable. <laughs> I know. It's, it's funny to me because it's, it's not like our constitution. Imagine the founders looking at the country today, right? I mean, they would be like, well, why are there, number one, why are there black people in charge? They, yeah, they wouldn't true. even be able to comprehend that, right? Like, that's, just think about that. Who's like, this that, woman in a pantsuit telling yeah, me? Yeah, exactly. It? Like, that's the thing is that people have to look at it from a, like the point in time, like, they, you know, and, and not by today's standards. We want to judge stuff that was honestly, done. Honestly, if you really look at it, it's actually a pretty great document. Obviously, sl slavery is not great. Oh, the Bill of Rights is like a document. Oh, yeah. As I said this, it should live on in infamy. And... Yeah. To, to come up with an idea, it. it's crazy. To come up with that ideas, those ideas. I mean, it, it's between the Universal Declaration of Human Rights (UN), the Declaration of the, the Estates, and in, in, I make, make sure I'm saying it right correctly in France. Yeah, the Bill of Rights are the great, and the Magna Carta are Magna the greatest, Carta. Human rights, yeah. greatest human rights documents ever written. And you find things are written after it. So, well, and I like the fact that the Articles of Confederation were actually probably a better form of governance uh, for the way that our country uh -huh. ended up being. And the massive conspiracy is the first Continental Congress that was called in secret. It wasn't public. And that's where all the shit in, in the Constitution was decided. And it's yeah, crazy I mean, to me that like that's how it went down uh, because the, the Federalists all wanted to seize the power and make sure that there was a strong, you know, central government. And then, you know, you had the Southern states, which uh, Jefferson led the anti-Federalist movement and is largely responsible for for all the checks the remaining checks that we have against our government it's cool because we really have the we're er, really the heir apparent of the greeks and the romans that a lot of the bad decisions the romans and the greeks made uh giving one side too much power or giving the mob or giving the holy poi the the too much power to make decisions is really it's really brilliant and it's probably the only way that you could get a country this large with this diverse of opinions to work. I don't think it could work well if just New York made all the decisions or just California made all the decisions. It, you'd probably have a civil war within five years. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, if they got rid of the Electoral College, it would deny every small state any voice. Um, and, that, and that stuff's brilliant. Now, that being, that being said, there's also... You know, there's a lot of giant gaps. So, and, and just as many gaps. Of course, gaps it's and, an imperfect yeah. system. Like, and I also don't think that first past the post is the correct winning. Like, the, there needs there needs to be a different way of allocating it versus a winner takes all strategy, so that there's at least a check. Uh, kind of more like Parliament in the yeah. UK, but it, we can we could modify. It's just got to all burn down before you can fix it. Honestly. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but here's the thing too: is you know the UK doesn't have free speech. You can, if you criticize someone you don't like, or you say something stupid, you can, you can get arrested. The, I mean, the police check Facebook. Oh no. Nowadays, dude, I have my, half my family lives in, in the UK and uh, my dad's from London. And so that he, I had a, my cousin text me and he said that they're moving out of the city. They live in like a suburb of London and they can't even, if you leave the street and your car doesn't have a specific colored tag with the proper number, they can arrest you for leaving. Like it's, it's tyranny, really, what's going on over there. They're keeping people inside their houses. My aunts haven't been able to leave in, you know, months. And, like, it's it's like, he's like, we're getting the fuck out of here. We're going to a coastal town where it's a little bit better. But still, like, 
they don't have any way to defend themselves, you know, from governmental overreach at all, other than, you know, to stick together. I mean, but it's like, he told me, he said, half the people are just willingly begging to be locked down. And he's like, I just don't understand it. Well, you, one, one could argue all the best people came over here from the United States. <laughs> I told him we're building the Alamo in Texas. He's like, can't build it soon enough, man. We now still- we've gotten to a point where words are brutality, right? And like, <laughs> that's how soft we've gotten as far as our hierarchy of needs being met. And, uh, and I, I feel like for my practice, I mean, you know, this. I mean, a lot of our practice is just deadlines and worrying about deadlines and making sure we're covering our butt with our letters and we're arguing and it, we're taking some serious issues and just using our words and it, it doesn't make it, make it easy. Sometimes I'm still as stressed out about an argument for a motion for summary judgment as anything. Then I go to, to jujitsu and I remind myself that I can get choked out and die tomorrow. That something doesn't <laughs> Just by wearing a tie. If you hang out with Joe Rogan. But yeah, some of it, remind, it reminds you that it's not that big of a deal that I don't know. I mean, I don't hate to like bring up Jordan Peterson. Like he's something brilliant. Other than something your dad would tell you, but it's just like being a stronger man is not, like what you need to be f- afraid of is we- is is uh, just like in dogs is fearful dogs are as dangerous as fearful people. They'll bite you because they're afraid. They'll do desperate things when they're afraid. If you're strong and you at least believe that you're safe, you're less likely to get a fight. I know right now I could probably handle myself pretty well, but dude, there's no way I'm the last person. I'm running away. There's a fight. I'm running away. It's oh, for working. sure. And like that's the thing is that the people now are so like. There's going to be a lot of yelling online, but like, I don't, I don't see people physically confronting each other. Like they think they're going to, uh, you know what I mean? As far as like political eye differences, um, where it's just, they want, they want us to go in the streets and fight each other, but I just, no one, no one has the time for that. (laughs) I argue with a lot of the couple attorneys, like when, when the, when the, the trouble started happening in the summer and there were a couple attorneys that I, that I know pretty well that were like, Oh, the uprising, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh wait, weren't, wasn't, weren't you near the guy with the, where the, with the, with the couple with the gun on the lawn? Yeah. Wasn't that out of St. Louis? (laughs) It it was out of St. Louis. uh, Are those your clients? (laughs) No, we, we have, we have my firm has cases with them. So I, I can't, go in anymore you know my look i don't really know them but oh man that's crazy oh wait they're lawyers that's right that's right okay okay so dude that's crazy though that happened up there um so like what did you see you know throughout the summer as like the riots were was it bad in st louis yeah it got it got really bad in june there were a lot of uh, i felt bad for the cops i knew some cops that were involved in in dealing with it and it just probably was a bad situation. A lot of marches every day. I mean, my office is downtown. So at times you couldn't get downtown. Was it peaceful? Uh, not very peaceful. Judging by the bullet casings over by my my car, my parking lot where I park. <laughs> oh, I only read in the media that they were peaceful protests. <laughs> no, they smashed up a bunch of windows. I mean, it's, I mean there's, there were, so on June, I remember I talked to a police officer who lived downtown. He, he, he just showed, he just put his phone on speakerphone and it sounded like Baghdad. Sirens. Seriously? Oh, crazy, man. It got insane. And see, that wasn't covered anywhere. And I wonder why. I mean, the thing is, this is because people largely agreed with it. I mean, the, I, my personal belief is that journalism is dead and the journalists are just, they don't get paid very well. So they're they're activists. They don't want to say anything that's going to rock the boat. The predominant view is that police are evil and all this stuff so that everything should be this way and obviously if anyone's got a nuanced opinion of things i don't trust the police because i don't trust the drug war or the government but i also call them if someone breaks into my car 
So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, oh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, Matt. I trust them until I don't, until I do. Yeah. Matt, I'm <laughs> Matt Weidman Mountain Man. If you steal from me, I'm going to come get my property. And you know, that's such a great point because at the end of the day, the majority of the people that are like bitching about the police have called the police. And yeah. uh, especially, you know, in, and I see that in domestic violence cases all the time yep. with the recanting, you know, it's like, why did you call them? Because you knew that it would fucking screw them. And so, that's why you call. And once you call, yeah. there's no uncalling. And that's why, unfortunately, though, a lot of domestic violence, uh, I'd say a large majority of it goes unreported because, you know, of that very reason is that once you make a call and a case is made, that's it's permanent, you know, potentially. So uh, definitely yeah, another crazy concern. The police situation is just, you know, obviously you get the you get the people that, that are your civil servants. They're a reflection of you. If you, your community can be rough, it can be tougher to get good cops. I can see that. I can also see that in the 1970s, we decided that people getting high on plants should negate the entire constitution and people's individual rights. And I don't know how that somehow became okay. Oh man, don't even get me started yeah, know, on that shutdown of like, Oh, yeah. Everything that can help us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, let's, let's just get, if you can't make money on it and it's cheap. It is illegal. <laughs> and, and, and you can read a ton of, ton of Supreme Court cases where basically if it's a, if it's a, a unsafe area or a high crime area, there's at least a tacit understanding that there's lower, there's lower protections. That's not what the Fourth Amendment said. There's no such thing as, as reasonable suspicion and, or any of that shit. And I didn't see that in the Constitution. Dude, I, I am pretty sure the Supreme exist. Court in our lifetime, I am predicting that they will say that like drones looking through your like roofs are, you know, exceptions under the Fourth Amendment. Like, <laughs> just, oh, yeah. I see them carving all of them away, uh, you know. And you know, and, and you know what's really sad too? Um, and then, I, and I think it's, and I'm part of it too, because. Like, I don't want to get all too existential or crazy, but Alexander Solzhenitsyn basically says it best that you're responsible. We're all responsible for the problems in society and we can't bury our head and say that, oh, society was this or this way, but I was a good person. I allowed it. Like, I, I don't, I, every time I, I go to a town hall meeting for an elected official in Missouri, I don't push them to increase the protection of the fourth amendment for Missouri. Wait, 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 wait. You actually go, wait, you, you're someone that's, I, I've gone to him. I haven't gone recently. <laughs> Oh. wait a minute you have cared enough to take initiative to go to a town hall meeting yeah. like ken bone and yeah. and ask a question yeah i have i mean i i used to work for the, the i love I, that that means I you actually for, care i was a legislative <laughs> assistant in this in missouri for two two years when i was in college oh okay so you for, do care you are yeah, yeah, i did all right. i mean but that being said no one ever i never i never have like pushed or joined a group saying, hey, look, we should have greater greater protections for the Fourth Amendment than the federal government are, is currently allowing. We should have something stronger that the citizens of Missouri deserve better protection against their against their overlords or their uh, or their internal police force. That would yeah, that would but I think it's problems. more of I mean, like a concern about digital privacy because that's how the Fourth Amendment's going to transform is once they can carve out digital exceptions is where we well, they are they've, way. they've already, already done, done you know so already it's done. Like, it's, but, but, it's crazy <laughs> but what's this i mean here's a here's a good thing is this what's to stop the citizens of missouri from saying to at&t that if you get a, if you get a warrant the warrant has to comport if it's in the state of missouri it has to comport with the state of missouri obviously the feds can say f you who cares but let's every time the feds do that they need to make a report why do yeah. they need tom dick and harry's information we could easily do that but we put our fingers in our ears and we just not we don't do anything to stop it and here's another great example and i just at a national level uh 
we're in the midst of a pandemic and we're, we probably have 20 to 15% unemployment. There's a lot of issues. That's why I'm here. Landlord tenant uh, stuff. Officially 6.8%. How dare you? Yes. Yeah, but tr- trusting the government with, with that, that number is like trusting the mafia, <laughs> trusting the mafia with, with, Yo, you don't trust Jerome Powell to give no. us an accurate accounting of the things. No, you don't. And, and the thing is this though, and you don't see anybody in uh, guess what they're doing. They're pushing for gun control. And so you're telling me we're, we're in such a big problem Right well, now, I saw Sheila Jackson Lee, actually, she filed a bill that would require gun owners. I was going to say, Matt, didn't we meet on that boat accident where we lost all our guns? Yeah, <laughs> I have, I, all I have is slingshot. I literally <laughs> lost them all. We, 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 well, we met with Hugh and we were like, you know, it'd be great. We got all of our guns and we went into the middle of the Gulf and uh, we shot them. And then you, your, your crazy ass was like, watch this. And you shot the engine out and we freaking, yeah. we sank it. And we had to yeah, swim we, to shore and like, man, we lost all of our fucking guns, man. That sucked. I do. Yeah. I can't believe that happened. Number one, but number two, like, you know, that's that, that issue notwithstanding. I mean, what do you like? Cause we're not gun owners anymore, obviously. So yeah. I mean, what, all I have is my, all I have is protect myself is my, my, my sense of self-worth and, and my jujitsu gi. <laughs> what, be, wait, right, what belt are you? I'm, I'm double white. <laughs> is that good I'm or so bad? New. I'm so I gotta new. Go, I got to Google this. I'm white. I'm so new. It's awful. <laughs> I'm getting beat by everybody. Oh, I fucking love it. All right. Uh... No, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't, I don't tend to, you know, it's what you see is you see is once the crisis happens, everyone needs to find every other reason other than solving the problem. And that's where I, it's, that's what's scary to me is you see that more and more is when did gun control become an issue where, we're not, and we can't, people are having trouble, trouble putting food on the table, but you're taking time away from that. And another thing too, is like, I, I, a great example is people are like, well, aren't you excited? They, they impeached Trump. And I was like, the second time I was like, I really don't care because the, the president just said he may re relook at uh, keeping troops in Afghanistan and he makes any has a strike in it in Syria. And I was like, apparently Congress just advocated every right to oversee any kind of military attack. I didn't even see uh, Syria attack us on 9-11. I didn't see Syria attack us at all. Well, I, I did see we some should... dancing Israelis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could be a topic for another day. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> building but, seven no. people, building seven. <laughs> but to, but sometimes you see that and you go, and you just go, how can you, how can you, you know, swallow the Pledge of Allegiance and swear and be so proud? When you see just shit like that, where, I mean, dude, no one's going to go, none of those people are going to go Syria. Nobody wants to be there, dude. It's not safe. We both know people. I have family members of mine who are in special forces and doing things. And sure. I, I wouldn't want to, and I wouldn't want them to be over there. And I feel it's, and it's, and to a certain extent, I'm probably, if they get hurt or injured, I would take some responsibility, even though by my one 300 millionth of it, because we're Look, letting man, it happen. Yeah. Like that's, that's, and, and, and I've got buddies that are, Specifically, you've told me more operators, yeah. right? They're operators and they, they're, they are in the shit, man. And it's like, it's, there is stuff that the American public just doesn't know about. Okay. And like, that is unfortunately the way that our military industrial complex works and that there is some really shady shit that goes on overseas that we are all none the wiser to hear. And it's okay as long as you don't know about it. And so like that, I understand that, that, that these guys operate in such a different sphere of reality than the majority of people, right? Like wherein they have to deal with this stuff. And 
it's it's crazy because like yeah like you, when you have and i got buddies that were telling me about the opium fields in afghanistan you know and i'm just like fuck like what are we doing and where are we going you know the cia provides more than likely at least tacitly provides young male uh courtesans to popular warlords in afghanistan which is effing crazy when you when you when you hear that story from like uh, from a vet and then i and you're like oh okay whatever hear from another guy and then you go look it up and you're like this is probably happening it probably it freaks you out that but and then it makes you wonder as like well does the war on drugs in the 90s and how all the crack got into the neighborhoods make more sense now like it's kind of crazy oh, oh yeah i mean you know that that fa- the famous uh, movie kill the messenger gary what's his name he's a uh, san yeah diego, yeah the uh san jose or san diego gazette he was in there and says a bunch of things and it's and he okay, somehow commits suicide with two bullets to the head well it's that or a heart attack buddy <laughs> I've, never, I've never shot myself two times in the head I think one- as we march on you know into this and it's looking more like brave new world you know I've, I've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast but it's just sort of like as a as lawyers how how do we since we are professionals right like how do we set a better example in this new era you know that's kind of what i'm trying to find and that how do we get out of this divide and more into a united i think i think i think i know how we do it is we speak truth to power i think one of the biggest things that i that when i was younger that i thought the law and the lawyers did i mean i grew up in the aclu skokie attorneys even though they're jewish guys defending the nazis because the principles mattered more than than fear. that's john they, adams they, defending the guys for the boston, yeah, the massacre. boston massacre i mean yeah. that stuff like that is you know um god, what's his name oh my god i feel so bad he's atticus uh, finch well, atticus <laughs> finch but uh uh what's his, uh the devil in what's his name Famous Harry Mason? no it's it's that fa- it's that famous uh american fabled the devil and daniel lewis or david um, oh yeah, he did. He did Marbury versus Madison. He was a famous politician. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forget who yeah, you're I mean, talking. Yeah, um, yeah. The famous attorney. I'm so awful, but guys like that who went in and and obviously they were not very popular with what they did. They stood up for their clients. They stood up for what they thought was right, and they took a lot of shit for it. I think to me that's what that's what we've lost a lot. And I and it's funny is I've seen other attorneys like try to turn people in for what they say on Twitter. It's the most ridiculous thing. Oh yeah, man. Like in Texas, they're trying to reform the rules to where anything that you say outside of your profession can be used to like take away your law license. And I mean, that's going to limit the ability to like, like if for instance, someone wanted to come after me for whatever, which I'm sure that that will happen. It's just going to be like, whatever. I know I, I, I have no, you know, I have, done what i've done in the past but it's not like i'm doing anything with ill intent anymore but the fact that i'm saying it is like driving people insane you know but i think i think i but i think this is the the specs i think is do words really hurt does it hurt the profession can you be do you have the right to be a dirtbag and what what kind of protection does that give all of us to be the right to be a dirtbag and it's as much as you might hate uh, the ku klux klan whatever they are the one person the less than one percent of these people uh what what are we losing by trying to eradicate them? What what level of thought are we damaging? But the problem is me as an attorney, I love to argue, man. I love to get after <laughs> it. Welcome to the club, brother. I know, you know what I'm saying? You know, like I love to get after it. Like I get a, I get an excited tingle when people like tell me I'm an idiot or a racist or an asshole. I love it. I don't know, man. It's just something to me. I like to just point my opinion. I, I think there's something in me. When I was even very young, like I can remember one of my very good friends told me, he's an attorney. 
he said, man, always speak your mind. And I was like, well, what if they tell me I'm an idiot or beat me up? He's like, you take that black eye, man, but you always stand up for yourself. And I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to take, even if my, even my premise is ridiculous, I can always try to circle it back and try to get someone to, to, to uh, agree with me. Cause that's, I mean, that's part of our job. Sure. I mean, I take ridiculous, yeah. uh, you take ridiculous and, premises. Oh man. And like the amount of things and things I've been called by people and judges, <laughs> it's just like, you got to be able to handle it. Right. It's just, uh, because you are, especially if you're trying, because I, I take that old adage as well, you know, and that I think the Clarence Darrow approach, the only true lawyer is a trial lawyer. And uh, I, I, yeah. I ran with that when I heard that in law school. And so, uh, and I have a lot of colleagues that aren't trial lawyers that are, you know, much more successful than I am. And I, I applaud them for being able to do transactional work. But for me, it's just so much more fun to to dance in a courtroom i mean it's it's a play and it's and the I, ultimate it's i get the, to write it yeah i mean it's so it's, it's the ultimate experience because it's like i always tell people this is like i go go to a bus stop and try to keep the attention of it be the bus stop and that's how you know what it's <laughs> yeah, like exactly right case <laughs> everyone hates what you're saying for the most part they they deserve pages of something else and, and you, you read them a jury charge with like 30 pages of legalese and you expect them to go back there and be like okay well we're gonna follow the law no but they go back there like Okay, can someone Google this guy and see if he's actually guilty? And then, like, they immediately break all the rules that the judge gives them, and it's just like <laughs> you have to operate as an attorney, knowing that they aren't going to follow the law, and that my client generally is guilty until proven innocent. Unfortunately, here's what's, here's what's funny about life: is I'm still like afraid to talk to like really pretty girls sometimes, and yet I go for a living and like argue. I went to Nottaway County and, and argued an independent medical examination, which I knew I was going to lose, and I was told by my partner I was going to lose. 12 hour drive, six hours there, six hours back. And I knew I was going to lose. And uh, it just, but something, I think I got better because I, I went there and I made sure I made a succinct argument based upon case law and it's stuff like that. That's Did it get like, you a that's, date on Bumble though? No, no. The ability to be like, okay, I can take a hit and I can still make my opinions be heard. And I, I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm going to still do my best to try to beat this argument. I think it's something that I sometimes forget that that's that's what we do you know you're not going to win them all man I, i've lost a bankruptcy argument the other yeah two days ago i was in there and I, I, the guy just completely sometimes the facts just aren't on your side and you have to argue because that's what your client they need well, it's to what they pay you to do <laughs> yeah but i mean sometimes too you know there's, there's the there's the gray area about what's you know you can take an aggressive stance you can take a a, a not so aggressive stance if you don't if you take a a kind of a, a boring stance, then you're just going to get boring results. You got to sometimes swing for the fences. And that's what you do for the, for the most part. I mean, I've seen you guys and I mean, everyone knows it. The story of the criminal attorneys that turn shit into sugar, you know, you'd be amazed at you'd what I can get from one wrong line of testimony from an officer, how I can turn a trial around on that. You know what I mean? Where I I'm like, I got you. The biggest thing I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen, uh, defense attorneys. So in Missouri, when you get a, a DUI here, there's two cases. There's just a Department of Revenue administrative case against you to take your license. And there's right. a criminal case. We have case. the same sort of similar, yeah. similar here. And so yeah. you can win one and lose the other. You almost always lose the DR case. I've done probably 10 DOR cases. Because it was just, people would send me on them. I, would, I had, it was a baby. I, I had diapers on. I'd walk in and, you know, it'd be like literally like a Karen. A baby be, lawyer. Yeah. I was a baby lawyer. It'd be like a Karen, like a lady, like, or a guy named Carl. Would be in the judge's spot with like, and they don't even not even. We're just like, yeah, they're still asking you, are you an intern? <laughs> yeah, and uh, you go in yeah. there, and uh, and you and you go and ask the 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 uh, state troopers are very good. You know how they are; they're not dumb. Sure. 
they they know the the NHTSA standards, and they're gonna kick, kick your guy. You kick your ass pretty bad. Oh, but dude, I mean, the local cops are bad, but the state troopers know their stuff. Yeah, so you go in there, and I mean, I've watched I've watched defense attorneys, some of the best in St. Louis, just destroy uh, a cop at the end, being the copy, and like, yeah, it was probably messed up. Yeah, it's probably not a good idea. And it's like to me, I, I could probably ask. I could sit in a room with them for all day and not get anywhere near that answer. Oh and, yeah, and it's just you got to know how to you got to know how to get them and box them in and then realize that they get pissed off after they're boxed in and you and you made them look like a fool and a lot of them uh, the really good ones are really good at testifying which is why they can continue to go to trial on their cases but yeah that's what it's you know it's how the city they they only have some of these duis only go with certain cops of course they, the they, they gotta call they them because win. they know that they know how to testify <laughs> and if they're gonna hire one of the best dwi guys and they you know what i mean like it's it's uh it's funny. I wonder if they allocate cops based on who they're pulling over. Just trying to guess on how much money they have. <laughs> I do, I, dude, I would not be surprised. Some of these smaller counties, they have nothing going on oh, to, would, to mess with people. That's, yeah. that's a good conspiracy worth like, worth looking into. Dude, you know, <laughs> how many of them have a deal with like the bars or music venues where they just can have a certain amount of DWIs to get after uh, <laughs> every yeah. weekend? Oddly enough, I, I did a DUI two years ago or three years ago with, with like a drug possession and something else and speeding and i i was surprised i was in a rural, pretty rural county and the, and the prosecutor was really cool it was a first time guy so he didn't have like a, he wasn't pablo escobar i didn't have extensive criminal background and so I, and then some of those benefits that but i was surprised at how great he was because i've had situations in, the, in other counties where like man they really really go after people i got a client with um, a prescription for know, maybe adderall or something like that and then Plus she got DUI and they charge her everything, even though she had the prescription. I was like, I don't oh, know. Oh, dude. I mean, like some counties yeah. are 50 years in behind. Like just, it's crazy how it's variant because in tech, like in, in, excuse me, in Harris County, like Maine, Houston, like the main city, anything under four ounces of flour, they just take it and they probably smoke it themselves, but they take it from you and they just make you take an online class and that's it, you know? And that's how it should be everywhere for weed. Oh yeah. At yeah. this point. It's, it's and, becoming less and, and less yet, and yet, and yet 30, 30 miles South, you're getting 18 months probation for the exact same thing. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. They're doing like shot. used to do shock treatment 30 days in prison. Right, yeah. You, you got to go sit in the jail for so long. Have you watched yeah. the show 60 days in? Oh uh, yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> no, but it's sad. It's sad that stuff like that is, it just blows your mind that that's like even a thing. Like who can like that's something. And it, the sad part too, you know, the thing is if I was a police officer, I would care i wouldn't i wouldn't enforce that why would you get your life potentially get shot over a plant like who cares man there's or a, or, I mean, there's or, like or going and seizing guns like good luck getting any state cops to go do that shit <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's literally like way worse things going on in this country going on in your own community than that it's a, that's some things that and in many ways what this country got right is a large amount of local control for everything and for you can sure. see people and that's because see, of how big we are like we need it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, every you single place is different. Like what works in Texas won't necessarily work in Idaho. And, you strike uh, me as a guy that knows at least a little about a lot and, yeah. and, and a lot of respective areas. So yeah, and, and it's some of it too, is it helps because, you know, if you do a guardianship and probe, you know, probate, then you can do a family law case and you can also do, you see how things work through the probate system and how you, why you would draft a will a certain way, oh, why yeah, you do yeah, a certain yeah. trust a certain way. And you kind of know a little bit. Also too, is I think I, man, I have awful ADD. I like to learn about a a lot of shit. So I, I can tell you most people is, I think most people, most attorneys should know about the bankruptcy code 
because there's a lot of shit that's involved in it and you can really get into some malpractice issue. Not to mention you can add value to your client by like, Hey, this is what's going on. So I hear this, this is goes back to our landlord tenant thing. When you file bankruptcy, you can list your, your landlord as a, as a creditor and they can't kick you out. There's not automatic stay. And uh, you're, they have to, if there's a case filed against you in state court, they have to drop it until the automatic stays lift. They have to go and file as a, as a creditor list what they're doing, their proof of claim. So list what they owe. And then they have to file a motion for relief for automatic stay. And it's not Interesting. easy. Okay. So that's yeah. a good little tip for the people. Yeah. One of the first things I ever did is I filed a motion. For, I, a lady hired me. She did the, the eviction herself. So she, she's like, oh, I filed an eviction against this person. I'm like, they're in bankruptcy court. I'm like, this got to get dismissed immediately. She's like, well, no, I don't want to. I'm like, you're, you don't want to piss off the bankruptcy judges. They will throw, <laughs> they will mess you up. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so the thing is this, they will mess you up. And I filed a motion for relief. I got it. I got the automatic stay relifted. And then I started the case again and I evicted the person. But sometimes like that, it's, you got to be aware that the tenants aren't aware that they have that power that once when the once the feds are involved it's game over what other powers do they have well that i that i wouldn't mess with i mean anytime that you're in front of a federal judge i just would be very careful i mean no 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 i mean what other powers do the tenants have that they don't know okay well here we go so here's a couple of things that i would do back to our original sure yeah now off of that brief it, tangent it, it meanders a bit of it is here's the thing too is the, the number one thing I, I think I, I was telling you in our text messages read your you lease have, you ha, read your lease but number two you got to take good pictures Take good pictures of everything. So we're very spoiled now. You have an 18 to 16, you know, 16, eight megapixel high definition camera on your phone that you can, that have, they have, that are GPS and time stamped with the time and date that they were taken. And you can take pictures of everything in your house or in the place that you're staying and make sure that it's exactly the way it was. Cause you know what? Almost every, every, every landlord I've ever dealt with, they try to keep that security deposit much as they can. And you have to prove it. And even with clients, clients of mine, like you can only take, at least in Missouri, you can only take what you did from it. So if you had to fix a cover plate, it's going to be a dollar and plus the labor to fix the cover plate. You can't take any more than that. And if you take pictures, it's going to help you. And I can't tell you how many cases I've won on the landlord side, because I take, when I would do the walkthrough with my client or have my walk, my client do the walkthrough, we would take a distance shot and an up close shot. And this is so simple, but you can't win a case in front of a jury. You can't win a case in front of a judge without evidence. And people don't think that way. Like I actually tell me time about people. Yeah. Like the roof was on fire. And, but I, when I moved in, I'm like, did you take a picture? Did I see that with the, <laughs> maybe the a video? <laughs> did I see anything with that? Uh, yeah. So would you recommend people actually just like maybe video their like every room and kind of shoot everything as is? I, I would, I would walk through, do a visual walkthrough, a slow walkthrough where you pan in and pan out. So what I mean, I mean, like if there is something you don't like, you pan and look at, take a close up picture of it and move back out. Cause what happens is this another thing you see is I have a couple of tenant clients of mine. It's like, they're taking on a potato. Like it's like blurry out of vision. I'm like, I can't tell if that's a cockroach or that's a dog. I have no idea what that is. And that's not going to help you because of this. You gotta figure this. If you have to try this case yourself, like this is main, like this is aimed towards a person who's doing a pro se. This is what you're going to do it because I, being as, like you represent yourself, right? Yeah. As an attorney. Yeah. As I can, as an attorney, I'm, I'm pretty good and pretty shysty, but I can't make the facts fit my client or protect my client. If you're doing the things that you need to do to protect yourself, it's harder for the landlord to get out of it. And another thing too, is I, I, I told you this too, is talk to your landlord as if a lawyer is involved, as if someone is over your shoulder. So biggest thing I always did when I talked to tenants is no matter how crazy they got, I never cussed at them. I never threatened them. It, first of all, it's, it's just bad business. It's not a good idea. 
And number two, it just people see that and you, and it makes you look like an asshole when you talk to people in a disrespectful way. Like I can tell you how many times the judges admonished my, one of my client, my client for talking to the t- landlord for talking to their, their tenant that way. Oh, and your text off. messages are your worst nightmare because those yeah. things will be read by a judge one day. Like every single yeah. text you send to your landlord will be read by a judge. You need to like presume my, my, that that will happen. Exactly. And like my, my roof is, my roof is leaking. Fuck you, Brenda. <laughs> Fuck your roof. <laughs> You don't want to say I've seen yeah, it. It's I've not going to help the judge like really side with you there. No, it's not. And, and the thing is, this is, and the big thing is you're also documenting things. So remember this, every time we document something, that's, that's your proof that it happened. And that the, the non, the action or the, or the non-remedial action by the, te- by the landlord is just going to help your case. And I think another thing I was, <laughs> my, my two months of jujitsu taught me is that when you're attacking, you want to take up as much space as possible with anybody. And as an attendant, if you're trying to get something done, you want to cut all the layers between the owner of the building and you. So the language, the way you act, the pictures you take, you're, you're cutting out Rick, who is this, who's a property manager who could give two shits because he's got 400 properties. You're trying to cut out all of the other problems you have. And here's something too is if you have issues Everything has to be permitted. Almost every city in the United States, there has to be a permit, has to be pulled for major work done, even minor work. Some places a P-trap, which is the bottom part of a, of a sink has to be changed. You need a permit, okay? <laughs> Everyone I know. Oh, mother government. Oh, correct. <laughs> but everybody doesn't, but most people don't get permits or they get a few permits. <laughs> no, they don't even know what that is. <laughs> no, they get a few permits to get to make things are done. And, that, and, that's, and that's normal. There's a, there's a business to that of balancing the permits first getting stuff done cheaply and quickly because permits sure. bring out more time. And that's the eternal struggle between contractors, the government officials, investors. Right. It, it's et a game that you can use for yourself. So here's a great example. I had uh, two clients of mine who didn't want to stay at their place. There was clearly some, a mold issue. There was clearly an HVAC leak. That was not something that was not uh, clearly insulated well enough or insulation been damaged during some renovation. And it was leaking, causing mold. And, I, I literally, I got involved. I mean, when I got involved, I just said, Hey, look, we need to call the St. Louis County and we need to let them know. And they, they complained a bunch of time. Nothing happened. We started writing letters. They finally came out and worked on it. There was no permit and HVAC requires a permit. So I had them call the St. Louis County claim that there was a permit not being done. And of course, anytime there's inspector knows that some money is being spent, they're not getting a part of it. They have to be there. So they showed the St. Louis County shows up. <laughs> we got a bill here, you know? Yeah. I, I was, I was told by, I was told by colleagues of mine that these people, that this is an out of state uh, landlord, they're a conglomerate that they want, that they're a real estate investment trust that they'll never give you, let you out. I said, Oh, let's get St. Louis County involved. We'll see what happens. St. Louis County came in was, you know, put a stop work order, you know, like the whole thing, like locked up the back door so they couldn't do the work. <laughs> shut them down. Yeah, shut them down. It was a whole thing, you know, issued, I believe issued tickets, man, within a, within a week, you know, a lady calls me on the phone. She's like, hey, look, I represent so-and-so and we just want, you know, your client wants out, they can be gone tomorrow. And boom. I was like, Shh. I was like, boom. My client's like, you're so great. I'm like, I'm just a pain in the ass. I took up, <laughs> I got you as close to your landlord as possible. I cut all the layers away from, from you know, uh, margin customer service and all these people just, get as close to them as possible. And the language you use is very important too. Like I told him, he's like, look, I don't feel safe. I'm, I'm unhealthy. And those things matter. And you think, and even to this day, I deal with it and I'm pretty jaded. I think I've seen it all. I've seen a lot of stupid shit done, but when I hear, I don't feel safe or I, I'm feeling comfortable, I know that this person can be a problem. And to me, that's a, that's a, pro, that's a problem that I have to deal with. Other people oh, don't yeah. feel that way. And when you do that, 
you're sending a signal that you, that, you, that at, at the very least you've talked to an attorney, you've talked to oh, somebody yeah. who knows what they're doing. And I think getting, getting what, and it, it ultimately the idea behind this podcast behind my meandering rambles about Missouri law and Texas law and about my views of the politics, uh, my extremely mid range politics views uh, <laughs> are, uh, is that if you want to get things done, sometimes the courts aren't going to be the best system for it. And a lot of times you might need to get out of your lease you have to do what you have to do, especially when it comes to the safety of your family. And I'm not saying I'm not advocating ever violence or doing anything like that or being completely shady. But if you had to get out of your lease because there's a there's a roof leak and it's not getting repaired, you got to do what you got to do. And I think there's a lot of resources that people don't really realize that we're kind of told to sit on their hands to wait on things. And you got to do what you got to do. I remember the first time I got a speeding ticket in Oklahoma. I wasn't a lawyer. I was like a, two, a second year law student. And I remember I asked my brother, I was like, should I, get a, should I hire an attorney? He was an attorney at the time. And he goes, you're almost an attorney. Go fix your own ticket. So I showed up in a student tie. By the way, I didn't pretend to be an attorney. I sat in the, I didn't sit in the front. I sat in the pew. I didn't illegally practice law in Oklahoma. I'm not dumb. That's it's, good because the judge would have admonished you for that too. And <laughs> I admitted a felony on my on a podcast. Exactly. So I, no, I just I said, hey, look, I, I just said, hey, look, I'm gonna t- I am i am a law student, OCU. I'm, I'm I want to be an attorney. I got the speeding ticket. I would like to avoid records. I'm obviously gonna pay the fine, whatever you would like me to do. I could I could plead on the record. So everyone's got a little different, but I could just plead mercy from the judge, see what you want to do. And he goes, look, man, this is what I'm going to see. You spent this much. Uh, you don't really have anything going on in your record. You're not bad. So I'm cool with this. And I, and I got it taken care of as opposed to paying someone 50, hundred bucks. I did it myself. And I think there's a lot of ways to get this things, these things done. And this stuff that I'm telling you is it works in Missouri as well as it works in California, works in Texas, taking these pictures, reading your lease, being at least very familiar with things. Uh, and if you think something shady is done, just being a big enough pain in the ass where the people want you to leave. <laughs> I have seen people be big enough pain in the asses where my, where my clients who are stingy, cut them checks to leave. I have personally dropped off two or $3,000 checks to people for them to leave cash for keys. Like they can't stand them. <sighs> I would and love it, to get that. Come on. <laughs> and look, these people are following what I did. Good pictures. You know, they watch their lease. They know what's going on. And this is not brain surgery. And you can say this, they would go into any jury in the United States and kick someone's ass. They kick my ass because there's only yeah. thing you can do. And it's stuff like this that I think closing that gap. Now, if you sit there and you just decide that you're going to call uh, Marguerite and customer service and make uh, work orders until your, your, your eyes are blue, then that's fine. You're going to get zero anywhere in life. So sometimes right. you have to take this and this is becoming more of an issue because as lawyers, you know, it's expensive for us. We're, we're not cheap. Even the cheapest lawyer, 120 bucks an hour is still expensive for a regular person. Right. And, you know, and sometimes I do them for flat fee for $700, $800. It's a lot of money yeah. for anybody oh, yeah. to come up with. Be. I mean, just like, and most people don't realize, you know, when, when you quote someone five, 10 grand, they, like 90%, 99% of people don't have money like that lying around, you know? No, and they, and they don't. And that's, and that's something where you can bring some value with a podcast like this. It's just somebody comes in and says, just listens to just 15 minutes of this podcast. They see two guys who have been on the other side. I've paid attorneys to, to handle problems for me and sure. it's not, it's not fun. This is what I've seen that's worked no matter what. I've seen little old ladies outsmart people, that get paid thousands upon thousands of dollars. And oh, it they matter. deserve it. I mean, like if people just arm themselves with a little bit of due diligence, you know, like read your lease, uh, take pictures, just 
be be respectful but firm with your landlord that oh. will go uh so much further than like 99 of what other people are dealing with i tried a case where a landlord said fuck you to the tenant 13 times fuck you fuck you fuck you like an entire text message stream and you <laughs> can imagine that. you can imagine it when we read it in the court it wasn't good no so, exactly so like that imagine Yes, like that. If we settled that case. Landlords, if your landlord is an yeah, oh, I would love to represent that person. Oh my god, it wouldn't have been oh. like like no jury. I would get them so much money. Like it would have just been fun. You yeah, know? and it, it's just, and it was it was the landlord that wanted to try it, and I was like, brother, mm -hmm. you're going to get murdered. I mean, before we let you go, I wanted to briefly get your thoughts on. Uh, just sort of like what uh, you're seeing in Missouri as far as the pandemic and how it's impacting lawyers practicing because Governor Abbott just lifted the um, mandatory like mask order and is sort of reopening the, the country on March 10th. So there's been a lot of consternation and celebration, I think, down here. So uh, I just wanted to know how it how it was going on up there and what's what's the sentiment like. As well. I think I think in the city, in the major cities, so we have two cities in, in Missouri, Kansas City and St. Louis, and everything in between. Um, not that there's not law in between those areas, but the major areas they're they're pretty much shut down. So everything's doing via Zoom, and I, and I think it kind of and uh, it sucks. I think it really it hurts the practice of law because everything's continued, and we are in situations where people can't get access to the to the branch of government. I think is probably the most efficient. I think the government the courts are probably the best branch because things get done and and things are closed off, so people aren't going to criminal trials aren't being held, uh, landlord tenant matters aren't, are being, I mean, they're, they're being ostensibly tried, but they're not really, nothing's being done with them. So if you have any issues with credit card debt, I mean, everything was, was on hold. So you have a big kind of a, a, a trashy pile that's kind of moving through the system that's slowing everything down. And I think it's sad. I mean, I, I really, my, my personal opinion on, on, on this is I probably wish it was a little bit more open because I feel like that's our job. I mean, I don't, I don't think I tell firefighters that, that just because there's a pandemic, they can't go fight fires. We have to do what we have to do to keep yeah. it, keep it going. Mean, because the problem, the problem down here that we're seeing is that like that we're getting all white jury pools. Um, yeah. And you know what I mean? So like, it's, it's, it's only people that can afford it that show yeah, up. Or, or if, yeah, exactly. Afford to show up, you know, uh, most people don't know, like, you know, it's expensive to park downtown in most major cities and, and mm -hmm. go to court. And so, uh, it's crazy though, because like we had hurricane Harvey in 2017 and that pushed us back like a, a year and a half on all of the old stuff from that. And now this capitulating on top of it is making things from like 2012, 13, 14 is still on the trial docket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's sad because like you said, the clients are the people that suffer. And I have, yeah. I have clients of mine that can't evict tenants that are causing problems one of my clients is being is being uh, got a, a municipal ticket in single city for the tenants being crazy and acting crazy and i got an order to evict them i evicted them and i appeared on a hearing and i was like look i have the order right here they're not going to file it they're, they're not they're not going to actually execute it so what can you do and i you know and i i feel for criminal criminal offense or people for the most part they're trying to keep people out of a prison or out, out of the holding uh jails but yeah, I mean, I feel for guys in prison or in jail that are waiting to uh, just have their hearings out. They're potentially putting their life in danger because we can't get our shit together to have try a DUI case or try a possession case. That's ridiculous. And obviously, to a certain extent, the civil side, what I do for the most part, they're keeping that that you know we're we're pushed back. I mean, I think my soonest civil trial. I think I have one. Supposedly, I have one in May. I doubt that'll happen. 
it'll probably be. You know, they're going to have to allocate all of the time towards the backlog criminal. You know, I think that when it's people's freedoms on the line, then money comes second. But it's like, I understand because I still got buddies on the uh, plaintiff side and like the civil side where it's nobody's moving anything because you don't have trial. It's true. That, that's usually the, 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 uh, the gas pedal that gets things moving. Once you have a trial set, then people have I mean, to once you decisions. have a judge that says you need to have a settlement or we're picking a jury on this day like that makes defense and plaintiff's lawyers get shit done um because a lot of times they either one of them doesn't want to go to trial or you know they, they incentivizes you to settle there is none of that occurring right now and then, and and then on a client and then on a client side the parties you know the, the client the clients are pissed that you show up at a hearing on zoom and there's no one really gets to talk substantively about the issues <laughs> in a case. So you're in zoom for five seconds and then you move on. So I got to charge my 0.2 or 0.5 or 0.8. And that's it. Sometimes I sit there and we just waste time on zoom because there's nothing going on. Or, the or you're waiting in a waiting room for a court, like to, to call you. So it's like, or, you know, it's, it's, it's been, yeah. yeah, I've sat in, a, I've sat in my you know office for three hours waiting on one judge, you know, one morning and it's on zoom. And so it's like, why, when I could just go to court and deal with this in half an hour. Yeah, here's, here's other thing. I have issues with, with say child support issues and just defining the, the arrears. You have to now have to call the court clerk. Some of them, they've been decimated by, by COVID. Sometimes they have a whole areas are out with it because of COVID and I won't get phone calls back for forever. I mean, I might call four or five times. I'm probably at this phone call. I'm going to make one last uh, voicemail on in St. Louis County over an issue that I haven't heard back in over a week. And all my clients have said back in the old days, I would just get in my car at lunch and go <laughs> to Chick-fil-A near there and then park my car and walk in there and get, get it all figured out. And then that way it's off my plate. I don't have to ever deal with it again. Now it's just like, I, I'm everything's by phone. And as you know, the court systems in certain areas and always rated responding to phone calls. Uh, no, or email. Oh, some of them don't oh, even email. have email. So no, they don't even have they don't, email. Is like you might as well send smoke signals. <laughs> send a pigeon, man. <laughs> that's where it gets hard, man. It's like for us is I feel like I chase people down, man. I feel like it's all I do late, recently. Like I felt like as before, I was really a real attorney. Recently, I feel like I'm I'm just I'm dude just a bird dog, just chasing things down, man. Getting this oh, record, getting that record, trying to get this admitted into court, and I I miss the time going in there and being like, okay, we're gonna argue substantively about something. That's what I'm saying. I need to get back. I need to get back into court and just like get going again because we've all gotten like this crazy Zoom lag, you know, like as an attorney base over the last year now. We're going up on two weeks to celebrate, two weeks to stop the spread day. Happy uh, anniversary of that. So I just want someone to tell me I'm an asshole and like get in my face and like make me feel uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like a normal day on the job. I mean, I miss like opposing counsels who are like completely nuts and like, like deriding me as a person i miss all that man oh miss- dude me too i would sometimes like they would come in and they'd be smoking i would hope they'd smoke like blow smoke in my face like that's just the little things i miss like where are they just like hey what's up you know i miss the gyps and the jibes like i miss uh courtroom banter and all that stuff with the bailiffs like i really do <sighs> because we've got to just get back you know i don't know i i at this point, we I, 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 have you tried to have a hearing via Zoom? It's impossible uh, because when you make an objection, they're, they're like, oh, blah, blah, and there's a delay, and it's just like, it's impossible. I've, it's, I've had times where, where like, we're, we're in the middle of a hearing, and the judge just drops out of his own, like, you know, like <laughs> 15, 20 minutes. And no oh, dude, have you seen the, the video with the cat filter? Yeah, that's the greatest <laughs> thing ever, man. I'm not a cat. <laughs> I'm not a cat. 
Oh man, I, 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 mean, he, I uh, I'll play that here, but like. For those of you having trouble navigating Zoom, you're not alone. A Texas lawyer proves that technical difficulties can happen even at the worst of times, like uh, during a very important court hearing. Watch this. Mr. Ponton, I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings. Uh, you might want to uh, uh, take, take we're a trying look. To, we're tr can you hear me, Judge? I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It, in the it is, and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but uh, I'm prepared to go forward with it. That's, I'm here live. That's not, I'm not a cat. <laughs> the day. Dude, I, <laughs> I am live and I am not a cat. And it's just like, he's <laughs> this fear in his eyes. If you haven't seen this video, you must watch it. It's just Dude, Google, like, I am not a cat. It, it, it made its rounds throughout all the attorneys. Like, it was just the greatest thing ever because, do people are seeing, and some of these guys have no, and these gals, these older attorneys, men and women, have no idea how to use it. They're staring into their phones and they're like, what if I'm in front of a judge? <laughs> Although I did go into court, I told these people this, but I had uh, I had one Zoom hearing where I didn't know they could see you in the waiting room, and I was like shirtless. <laughs> the judge is like, "Counselor, we can see you changing." <laughs> did you did you see did you see the uh, maybe I, there's been all those funny ones where like attorneys are naked, and the attorney around here was like cleaning his AK-47 at a hearing. Oh Jesus, no! Luckily, I haven't done that. Um, I don't own any guns. Guns are guns are. <laughs> I would clean my my feelings. Oh, oh Matt. Well, that's a good time to uh, wrap it up. Matt Weidman, St. Louis, Missouri. Is there uh, how the people? Do you want them to follow you? Do you want them to find you? Uh, I know. I, I used to have a Twitter handle, but I got it uh, got rid of it. <laughs> he got too many Twitter arguments. Almost got canceled. It was Matt. It was he was I, off Twitter on, on a by, on a bygone era. I actually had my actual name as my Twitter handle, Matt Weidman. It's A T T Y. <laughs> it was a bad idea. It should have been like Law law snail or some shit like that uh yeah i think protected. mine was uh yeah yeah no i your original aol screen name <laughs> yeah it was, like, it was just like my actual name which is ri ri ridiculously stupid so people yeah, were like dude, well, that's email. why all the pretty girls ignored you man yeah, <laughs> you needed some kind of cool nickname <laughs> no, man, they're not ignoring you now though mr i'm doing business in every sector of every law in Try. missouri yeah, no, man, I, 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 dude, this is so awesome. I really appreciate you letting me doing this for you. Thanks I, for coming you know, I, on. I really appreciate it, man. And I'm glad we got some time. Matt Weidman, thank you for joining us. Uh, oh, we'll have you on again soon, my friend. Thank you for the good tips regarding the uh, what to do if you're a tenant, some common sense stuff. We I think we had a pretty good chat there about a, we covered a lot of stuff. You know, we caught a, yeah, a good tangent, but uh, I think that there's some very valuable information and all that. I really do appreciate your time, man. And uh, thanks again. Anything else you wanted to say? No, man. I just want to tell you, thank you for letting me on. This is my first time. I hope I wasn't too uh, out of control or everything was really good. No, everything was great, brother. Thanks so much. We'll uh, no, man. see you next time, man. Thank you. Play us out. What do you got for us? uh i i was um a nice oh this podcast was actually pretty interesting we touched a lot of points um it was pretty like it was kind of like random how we just like brought in the 
Mr. Potato Head, but yeah, <laughs> that I, was a personal know. interest to me. And the it's fact like, that it made national news. Well, I read it in yeah, the paper, yeah, the which is why I was like, why news. the fuck am I reading about this next to where the innocent women and children with Biden's bombs were like on the next page, you know? <laughs> like, what the fuck? So, yes, uh, I hope you all enjoyed that little tidbit and the Governor Abbott Award. Uh, most people don't know about that. So, Hey, everybody, a little personal note to close out the show. I uh, appreciate everyone's patience. I haven't been able to get out the episodes as quickly as I'd like to. I am dealing with a bunch of personal stuff, uh, including trying to buy a house. And it's just been a fucking crazy last couple of months. So bear with me. I've got a couple of great guests lined up. Uh, Next episode, episode 12, I'll be joined by a friend of mine uh, back from my law school days. And he and I will be discussing addiction. And uh, we're both uh, recovering addicts. So I think as it relates to the legal system, our personal experiences and the recovery i think it's going to be a really good episode and i'm uh, looking forward to that interview a lot next week it should be dropping on the week of march 22nd so i got a lot going on in my life but the episodes will be coming more regular as i uh, get back into the swing of things thanks for being patient with me and uh it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to have some great times and interview a lot of great people and explore a lot of great topics in the legal field so thanks for joining me Appreciate you guys. Looking forward to the next one. Love y'all.